Can I tell you all a story? I was just at the, uh, just at the gas station. I was there, was getting my kickstart, the customary drink for when I record this show. Oftentimes this gas station will, like, have printout signs on the door, like, no backpacks, or, like, these people, like, are not allowed in the store anymore, or whatever. And, uh, mm-hmm. and like, and they'll have a p- surveillance picture of them. Uh, and I noticed one, a similar one, uh, when I walked in today. And, but it has some text beneath it. And on the way in, I didn't get to see what it was. I was like, huh, I wonder what that says. So I made a point to look at it on the way out. And it was, of course, a, a surveillance picture from above the counter of these two guys. <laughs> it's, it said, stole the St. Jude donation bucket. <laughs> oh, fuck off! <laughs> Are these children? Are these? Are these children also orphans? Are they also orphans? Are they also orphans from fucking Syria? Like holy shit! Zybox the Unyielding cares not for your puny walking machines, but even he knows that at the end times you need comprehensive cover for your war efforts. That's why even as I crush your pathetic fleets and flimsy robots, I recommend you sign up to MechSure today. Their total Armageddon clause ensures a payout in whatever currency the Conquering Regime installs if your weakling armored suits are destroyed, including free life insurance to ensure your loved ones live a briefly happy life before being ground beneath my heel. So sign up to MechSure today, and I do it quick, because the end is nigh. The end is Zyvox! Hajime. One more time, we're getting together to bring you a podcast. We aren't space voyagers or superheroes like the Christian dolls. You don't need night vision to see the flaws in our show. It is an aerodynamic, it's too long, and sometimes it feels like it's about to short circuit. Our podcast isn't harder, better, stronger, or faster than the competition, and you might rightly ask of it. Verdi's quote. But though we aren't living the high life and have never met face to face, we are a group of friends unfathomable amount of digital love, both for anime and for each other. There's just something about us, goddammit. So let's go. Let's do this one more time. I will say this, though. Severus Snape, best character in that series by a country mile. The uh, the actor they had to play him just. Alan Rickman, rest in peace, Alan my Rick- good sir. Made made the entire movies worth it. Yeah, like if, if there I was would... any reason to watch them, Alan Rickman is the reason to watch them. He, I know, I know. He just doesn't give a shit. That's so great. He's, he's wonderful in his portrayal. But the thing is, like, Snape then turns out to be a very sympathetic character, and he turns out to have been hey, performing... Spoilers for me! Baby. No. 
And on top of that, I'll just mention, he was performing a service and a duty far more dangerous than anything fucking Harry had to go through. He was a double agent under a man who was literally... (laughs) (laughs) He was a a double agent. (laughs) I hope you were not planning on watching it. (laughs) You've ruined it for me now. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) He just said, why? Sorry. Why? I will say say no more. (laughs) Is there anything left to say? (laughs) Yes, there is. Yes, there is. Like, in all all honesty, so, like, this is a funny joke to carry on, but, like, so I've read the first five, and, like, all that other stuff, like, has been pseudo-spoiled for me so long ago that it doesn't come as any great shock that he's actually a good guy. Like, uh, you can, oh, yeah. you know, it kind of... Fair enough. Woo! Go away with that one. Dodge it's, that bullet. No, it, it's, more fun, it's more funny if you had no idea. I know. It, so it would have been up. really funny. <laughs> I just Sorry. didn't watch it on to feel shut too bad. Uh, if you've read the first five books, you do you do hear about his backstory, mm-hmm. I think, where he discussed, where we learn about how he was treated as a kid by Harry's father. Yes. And Harry's father was, in no uncertain terms, a prick. Yeah. I th- yeah, I think you, you figure out about this in, like, when he tries to teach Harry how to block his mind and stuff. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah, that, Which that, book yeah. was that? Which that was definitely earlier than six. Yeah. It was definitely in six. Yeah. So, okay. So, Snape, like, he... I can't believe we're talking about this. I know, right? I'm going to wrap... <laughs> this is the last point I'm going to make, and then I'm going to move on. Um, so have you he seen is... the Harry Potter music video with Daft Punk? <laughs> so great. Jesus Christ. One quick suggestion I want to make, just to help us align, because when I've been doing anything recently on fandom, I've had an idea of how it can make things easier for us when we do the, future editing. The clap? Like, yeah, just the, the bloop. Three, two, the bloop, one, yeah. Three. Freeze one bloop, yeah, so we'll do that at some point. That's what we did for Crystal Triangle. Yep. Yep, we'll do it again this, do it again this time. Alright. So, uh, Carl got the run sheets up. Should we do that now, or should we do that at the end? Any time's good, because you can just then pick up from that point. Okay, do you want to do it now? So, Interstellar 555 is 3, 2, 1, bloop. Oh, God. Alright, let's start. Alright, let's go. Three, Wait a minute. On, after two, three? Ah. After three, or on three? Know, three we'll, yeah. we'll just bloop together, on, or whatever it is we're supposed to say. Okay. On three. Three, two... <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to count it? I don't know what who's counting. Right. Okay, let's start again. Three, two, one. Welcome to Waroi Desho. A very bad anime podcast, as the title translates to. Um This is episode five 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 five. We're out of sequential order. For reasons. That are good, uh, I think. So uh, <laughs> I am the subtle doctor, uh, and along for the ride with me, we have our two podcast stalwarts. Uh, Shadon is here. Hi, Shadon. Hello. I'm just going to quickly interject and say the reason that we are doing this is because of me and what I put us through last time. I feel that's perfectly fair <laughs> to say. The the you think so? This is. The anti-phantom? It is the healing touch that we needed after that particular piece of shit. I think, I think phantom might have affected me too much. 
wasn't quite the uh, the healing bomb. The voice you just heard uh, is the first lady of Warudesho. It's Forgalia. I I just woke up. Sound like shit more than usual. Oh no, you're fine. I definitely, I definitely don't sound like a first lady. But there we go. Hi. We're off to a great start. <laughs> This is very fun. <laughs> I'm, rem- I'm, rem- I'm remorseful. Vox it's like asleep. all the fun yeah. went to the pre-show. Forgalia sounds bad. Shadon sad. I just did an intro that everyone hated. We're we're doing really great. <laughs> no, I loved it. <laughs> we're doing. I loved we're it. Doing super. Everyone hated it. Shadon, come on. <laughs> Quiet, you. To get us started, to to warm us up a little bit, uh, I thought I'd introduce a new segment here on Wari Desho, and this is a. A participation segment. Uh, it's an uh, so we call it the opening question. Opening question. It's basically, a random question that has little or nothing to do with anime that uh, we all will answer, and we're looking for uh, you, mm. the audience, to provide these questions. So if you would tweet us at waruidesho or email waruidesho at gmail.com. Uh, and uh, give us some ammunition here. Um, we we want to encourage all of you to to write us, to correspond with us, and just ask us things that are anime related, and <laughs> we will be happy to uh, we will be happy to offer our quote unquote wisdom. Give me a number between <laughs> uh, one and eight hundred. No. I will not. Also, I'm, I'm going to eject and say that if anyone wants to ask me if I have a pending sponsorship by Just For Men, the answer to that is no. For obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah, he, he's taken. He's taken. He's uh, supporting uh, NBA. I'm supporting all the cool people. Yes, he was way, there's like way too many uh, acronyms in the, in the beginning of your name. You can't just have Just For there's Men a lot. as well. There, there's a lot. Look, right. I, I'm in an open relationship. Don't, don't, don't <laughs> crush my sex... Don't crush my internet sexuality. I Don't test me. You know, have I told you that I thought originally when you first introduced acronyms to your Twitter display name, I thought you had just like graduated and gotten a couple degrees? In what? Being a witch doctor? Well, MBA is a uh, like a, a master of business administration over here. It's a very common <laughs> acronym for, for that. And uh, is I think JD is like what a lawyer gets, like a doctor of of uh, jurisprudence oh <laughs> so that's <laughs> i thought that you had become a lawyer or something sadly not unfortunately uh, every time we say your name we don't have to actually say all the uh, yeah um, <laughs> what if you made us that'd be great speaking of the lawyer thing if you have any of your questions that you want to fire in are for legal advice no absolutely not oh listen i'll answer them it just i'm not a lawyer that we're, we're not licensed professionals when it comes to medical or legal advice but I'll still give you bad yeah. advice plead the fifth always plead the fifth our opening question for this week is provided by me uh, since you know this is the inaugural segment and hopefully we'll get some better questions than this in the future but uh, what is your go to sandwich ooh Ooh. And you can in- interpret that any way you want, okay. right? Uh, uh, oh. on, on the top. Oh, no. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, we went this, is, this went directions. I did say you can interpret it any way you want, so I guess uh, that's in balance. My, my go-to sandwich, it's, um, it's like toast bread and uh, 
tomato sauce and cheese whatever else you put in stuff <laughs> that's it it's 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 like and then you toast it and it tastes like a pizza except it's cheap huh okay so it's it's literally whatever you have available at the time yes but the base is like the the bread and then the tomato sauce and the cheese <laughs> and then whatever else awesome it just sounds like tomato soup like just eat in a different way I'm... No. <laughs> no. <laughs> do you not do you not put cheese in your tomato soup and eat it with toast? That's how I always eat tomato soup. What? <laughs> <laughs> but I think while Gelly has encountered a critical error there, shall we send a crash report, Doc? Oh, uh, so yeah, tomato soup. It's it's a nice warm, delicious soup. <laughs> and I sprinkle cheese over the top of it while it's warm. And I always have some toasts nearby. You put it in your toast. I eat them to, in conjunction. I don't. I don't ever put it on the toast. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sandwiches. So the thing is, though, the American definition of sandwiches, I understand, it also includes burgers. Okay. Well, in that case, then I get to talk about burgers specifically. Um, why what? Burgers count. Yeah, American American sandwiches do include burgers. So, um, well, the thing I like to um, occasionally make my own um, chicken burgers. Um, and what that involves is recipe time, we should on here, take notes people. Um, get yourself chicken breast, okay, and then prepare on a chopping board a bed of flour and then a bed of breadcrumbs. And also a bowl which you whisk to exit. Then slam as many spices, chowdered chili flakes, whatever you want onto both beds. Like absolutely powder it. Like absolutely load up on there. And then Rub the chicken into the flour, then into the egg, then the breadcrumbs. Throw it in the oven for 20 minutes. Whap it out. Mother, why isn't my fried chicken as crispy and juicy? I want your recipe. Grandma didn't fry. But it's crispy like fried. Can I tell? It's shake and bake. And I help. Shake and bake coating mix. It's better than frying. Then get a hash brown done. Buy a slice of cheese on a bam cake, barbecue sauce. You're in heaven. I order food now. That sounds really good. Uh, <laughs> do you, do you make this often? Uh, occasionally, but the, the funny thing is, like, I used to never be able to cook. Like, I literally lived off frozen food that would go in the oven for twenty minutes, and when it was done, it was done, and I ate or I didn't. And one of the joys of having moved out and living on my own is that I did force myself to learn to cook. Don't be embarrassed to look up even basic things on YouTube. Like, I thought I felt a little self embarrassed by thought, right? How do I bread chicken? I looked up, it was a three minute video and it was so obvious and I was like, huh, okay. And now I can make, and now I can make hand-breaded chicken burgers as a result, or chicken sandwiches if you want to call them that. So um, yeah, that's my favorite sandwich and my advice to people listening is don't be afraid to learn how to cook stuff online uh, by looking up YouTube videos. Not only don't be afraid, fucking do it. Like, yes, <laughs> cooking without a recipe is like having sex without a condom. Like, you might end up enjoying yourself, but it's just fucking stupid. You're taking too many risks. And like, your dick might get burnt. Yes. I mean, yeah. I, I don't I don't know anyone who doesn't use a re- at least some sort of recipe. to. I mean, like, I don't know. I don't know any genius master chefs, so. Yeah. I will point out, since we're on the topic of sex, by the way, um, that if you are wanting to learn cooking, then one of the main benefits is that, of course, for the men in the audience or the people who are interested in the female sex... Learning how to cook and telling them that you can cook and then cooking for them, that always helps. 
It's a good move. It's a very good move. Speaking from experience here, trust me. Yep, same. I mean, I, I cooked salmon without a recipe. I just stuck, stuck it in the frying pan. It was great. Good job! <laughs> YOLO! <laughs> you stick it in the frying pan! <laughs> just stick it what in! What a recipe. Oh, man. Well, I'm glad it turned out good for you, but you, it could it could be so much better. Yeah, I, I'm also going to make a very brief shout out here to say that if you are it interested in if you are interested in seeing some silly cooking, look up sweet ordinary Swedish mealtime on YouTube. Three minute videos of very angry Swedish men throwing stuff around and generally wrecking kitchens is great. Well, my, my go-to sandwich is not as interesting as either of those. Uh, it's ch- it's changed over the years, too. I, mean, I think right now I'd probably... Sandwiches. With... You, Sandwiches you, you have changed. You the question, and you don't have a mind-blowing go-to sandwich. No. It's just some, some lunch and broil roast beef and uh, good old white American cheese on a, a burger bun. Well, with some horseradish hey that's pretty decent and uh it it, it does the job man it's good stuff i've recently come around to the london broil roast beef uh like before i had just gotten like angus or whatever and like i don't know like something about the roast beef that's still pink in the middle it's just delicious <laughs> i do like my steaks medium rare i must admit i was i am mm. so i'm so scared of any pink in my meat and i know it's it's better I know it's better because I've accidentally tasted some medium rare meat in this pink. But every single time I cook, I'm so yeah. scared of that little bit of yeah. pink in the middle. I was I once um, I was once challenged to eat what is called a blue steak for a hundred pounds. And a blue steak, in case you're not aware, is <laughs> yeah, you know, you it's just a steak. No, you, don't even put it in the frying pan. No, you, you you do for all the five seconds. Yeah, yeah. And I declined. Because I didn't want to die. Good. You're not going to say. It's, I know. I mean, um, you would be a fantastic host to tapeworm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Really, you should get a meat thermometer. They're not terribly expensive, are they? Uh, probably not. It, it is an effort thing, so I can understand not wanting to put an effort yeah, you... effort to just sticking the thermometer in the thing. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! Well, go, going out and purchasing it, I mean, as opposed to just continuing to throw salmon on the pan, as as you have done. Oh, man, fried. Oh wait, fried salmon is the best thing ever. Ooh, I've never had fried salmon. It is the absolute best thing ever. Nice. Maybe we should make a sandwich out of it. No, no, no. Yeah, we need to revisit. We, we need to revisit to this topic in the future. We have to have like a challenge where we try to improve it's, our it's sandwich. Like, it's it's the one thing. It's the one thing that I've been like eating um, properly. It's like sort of uncooked in the middle, like less cooked in the middle, hmm. it, and it's so juicy. You, I looked up recipes later. You put it on the frying pan, skin side down, until uh, it gets a bit. Uh, until like about half of it becomes sort of white and then it develops like a golden crust at the bottom you don't move it at all then you flip it you wait for a bit until uh sort of the same happens at the bottom it's it needs to spend like 70 percent of its cooking time uh skin side down you just flip it and then it's ready it's so perfect it's absolutely perfect can i ask when are we having a cook-off 
why have we not watched Food Wars for this episode? I'm, oh, <laughs> Jesus, you're so right. You're too right. Or, I haven't seen that Toriko show. Or or something. <laughs> you're, you're too right. I've not seen that show, but um, it's on my to-do list. Cooking Master oh, Boy. Yeah. All 74 episodes. I have, I have no clue what uh, Cooking Wars is, but I've, I've, I've learned this from watching Kitchen Nightmares. <laughs> or, sorry, Hell's Kitchen. Hell's Kitchen. Sorry. Uh, good old Gordon Ramsay. Gordon Ramsay. Watched so much Gordon Ramsay these past few months. You know what? It's insane. Can we can we have Gordon Ramsay's anime nightmares? <laughs> the fuck is this show? Do you games. think this fucking show that you call Phantom is good? <laughs> Do you think that Phantom is good? I would not let my dog taste this piece of shit. It's underdrawn. <laughs> it's underdrawn. <laughs> Those memes exist. They are so They're good. They're out there. Gordon Ramsay yelling at a cute anime girl who's sad. <laughs> On your local Twitter. Check it out. God bless him for being so angry. What is anime? Anime is action. Sci-fi. Comedy. Martial arts. Anime is... Straight from Japan. Totally unexpected. Not kid stuff. Anime is on right now. 24 hours a day. Log on now and demand your anime. Anime Network. Zybox the Unyelding stands before you with your legions cast asunder and your militaries rendered unto dust. And you may wonder what to do with yourself at the end of everything. Well, I have a suggestion for you. Get in several dozen bottles from Weirboo's Fine Liquors. They provide handcrafted bottles of your favourite anime, ladies and gentlemen. And even a galaxy-destroying tyrant like Zyvox can appreciate the exquisite flavour of Tequila Kill, Vodka Monogatari, or Darker Than Jack. What better way to see in the apocalypse than with the taste you love and the craftsmanship you bring? Have a weeaboos today, because Zyvox decrees it! Always on the grind, I don't escape. Mental shopping and save a right new fake. But regardless, I still stay through the night and the bright hours of the day. Hey, always on the grind, I don't escape. Mental shopping and save a rain and fate. But regardless, I still stay through the night and the bright hours of the day. Okay. New joint, but I'll always be the satin wizard. Basking in the heat, I lizard, even though my blizzard blizzard come over. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, this is Waru Desho. And at this time of the show, we always do a quick catch up with uh, all the hosts uh, to find out what's been going on in their lives. I know it hasn't been too long, so uh, this segment may or may not be sh- as long as it usually is. Uh, well, Regalia, why don't you uh, why don't you start us off and tell us what you've been getting up to? End my life, please. Shadon, no, no I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, go on. I have absolutely nothing. I've been playing Resident Evil 6 and Resident Evil 1. Cool. It's like the worst game in the series and the best game in the series. The second best game in the series. Which Resident Evil 1? The 1-1. One, one, the, the remake on Steam. Ah, right. The the remake of the remake, then? Yes, yes. Okay. Bizarre. <laughs> but that's a great version of that game, though. Hmm. It's a 
It's such a good. It's like I've been playing uh, Resident Evil 6 with Sloth Facts uh, on twitch.tv slash Sloth Facts. And, um. Recent follower of the Waroi Desher Twitter. I've been generally very angry about the video game. Mm hmm. It's, it's so. It, you just have to watch the archives. It's. Uh, and then I play one, and it's like, oh my god, this does things right. <laughs> Holy shit. I've so missed this feeling. I've, like, because I've played, the first Resident Evil game I played was four, then five, then three. So the first real Resident Evil game I played was three. Hmm, mm-hmm. And I've missed this feeling that the Resident Evil, the good Resident Evil games give you. It was, like, such... A moment of magic rediscovering this, especially in the middle of Leon's campaign in Resident <laughs> Evil 6. <laughs> oh. People really hate that game. I don't know anyone who likes Resident Evil 6. I love it. I, it's the most, it's the funniest game I've ever played with someone. <laughs> <laughs> it's like watching a bad film. Yes. Yes. I, I don't think it, we've played it with Softfax for about like seven hours at this point. I don't think I've ever laughed more in my life. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. It must be it must be interesting, like the like to go from literally the first entry in the series to the six and just see the massive differences. I mean disregard <laughs> disregard <laughs> disregarding the You have no idea. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, no slow evolution for you. More more like devolution. <laughs> straight straight to shit. Yeah, straight. Like, the, the idea is that four was too it was so good it just ruined the entire series mm-hmm. forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they took the wrong lessons from four, right, and pushed it too hard. Yes, all to of action. the wrong lessons. Mm. Yes, because that's what it revolutionized. It it was I think it was the first game to very to popularize the over the shoulder thing in the control scheme, mm. especially for this for for the genre. Just this is what it revolutionized. And so I think they focused on what they, and what it on what it did that was new, and not what it did that was good. Yeah. Even though yeah. what it did that was new was also good, but you can't make a game out of a control scheme. It's really funny that this series, like for having such a like as low a batting average as it does, because I think most of the games are are no, seen as no, 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 no. mixed right i mean is it people love two people love four and then people's opinions are divided three on the rest the of them three is the best one i was gonna say okay. wasn't three is the best one really so i've heard mixed reviews i've heard people love nemesis and i've heard people don't really like nemesis uh nemesis com- just makes that game amazing hmm. I, three is the best one for me okay well uh, so okay put my original my my antecedent clause right (laughs) aside and i'll just say that uh it's interesting that this series like has a couple of really really important games in it like for the history of gaming i feel like it's weird that resident like because it's in a really bad state now i mean no i don't know if anyone is super duper excited for more resident evil but Resident Seven's Evil coming out, and Seven Seven looks different, which is great. Hmm. Yeah, people were not impressed with that demo. I've heard some real bad stories it's, from that it's demo. It's just a, it's just a PT thing. It's just yeah. something. It's it's uh, I, it, it's like it it's not like PT was going to be the same as Silent Hill. 
But yeah, it it comparing it to PT just shows that the director they have is nowhere near good enough to pull off that mm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm. But I think it's it look it's it's a different kind of Resident Evil, which is great. That's it. I think if they can pull off like a, a one or four where they just revolutionize VR games or something, great. Hmm. I think two helped like change the like the course of gaming. And and not in anything it necessarily did on its own uh, mechanically, but like I think it was part of this wave of early PlayStation games like Resident Evil 2, Final Fantasy 7, Metal Gear Solid that like helped sort of shift like the mind share about games and and get the play get the PlayStation attention mm. and sort of let people know games are these cinematic experiences right they're not just these yeah, Nintendo games, games are for more than just kids yeah, yeah, oh, yeah for definitely. sure for sure and i think Resident Evil was a huge part of that i could definitely see PlayStation 1 lineup in general changed the uh, completely the attitude towards games mm. and i and N- Nintendo games play great but but uh, I think that was a needed shift in thinking that happened yeah. in the late 90s there. Yeah, I mean, the PS1 lineup with such titles as Resident Evil 2 proved an, um, the point that you can have all the singing, all the dancing, all the fancy-looking hardware you want, but it's the third-party library that determines your system's success, which oh, is boy. something that yep. console oh, makers yeah. do not get still. Yep. yep. Idiots. Anyway, well, Nintendo get... in particular doesn't understand that. <laughs> They've got ten it's been It's been how many years since the PS4 released? Uh, it's been three, almost three years. Almost three years. Yeah. There's only one game I want. <gasps> oh like, no! It's Bloodborne. And that was an There's early game. No games. There's no interesting games on PS4 yet. That that's a matter of perspective, but the thing is, like, I do definitely, I do definitely agree that the number of titles coming out at the moment is. Definitely not the number it was previously, and that's just because of development costs and such. But at the same time, yep. yes, development costs has skyrocketed. Yeah, and I mean, you're probably the the risk aversion has also skyrocketed. Oh, definitely. So, and, and, and and the companies do not even know to like. Oh, just just make a bunch of smaller games. It's fine. Just price them like make a bunch of thirty dollar games. Not everything has to be like a sixty dollar high production value crap. But no, no man's no. sky. The PC figured it out, but... Yeah, PC has had an indie scene uh, for a while. Yeah. And a bunch and like a bunch of more PC-centered developers are more or less getting accused from that, making smaller games. Yeah. Like, what, $30, $20 yeah. in Spain? That, that's where my interest in PS4 actually chiefly is, is to, rather than, like, upgrading my PC, like... I could get a PS4 for the good console stuff, but also I, I could have like an easy way to play a bunch of indie stuff. Yeah, it's just some consoles. I don't think consoles were ever like an upgrade to PC. Consoles at this point are like just no, 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 no. You just Doc, get them for the exclusive. Doc meant to uh, that rather than upgrade his PC, he's getting a console. Oh, oh, I yeah, see. yeah, um, yeah. Rather than spend spend the money that way, I could spend less money on a PS4 and have the ability to play all these small games that I had previously only played on yeah. PC that needs upgrading. Yeah, definitely. The, un- the unfortunate problem is that there's still a-, a lot of indie titles on the PC that are not, to my knowledge, on consoles at the moment, um, which is common. You see, I mean, I'll, I'll name drop one title that I feel 99% certain is not on either Xbox One or on PS4, but is on PC, Undertale. 
I can guarantee, I will guarantee you, dog, as long as I live and breathe, that if you ever get a chance to play Undertale, you will adore it. I know that. I've won, I own the game. I just haven't, I want to play it with my wife. And so I've not had a chance to sit down and do it. Oh, that. Jesus. Knowing what That's I know, the only reason I haven't played it. Knowing what I know about what you've told me um, off, off camera, which I'm not, of course, going to reveal to the wide world because that's not my place, but knowing what I know... Ooh. Anyway, no, I, I love Undertale. I love it. But, um, yeah, man. Oh, so so you think I should maybe not do that? They might be a little too grisly? No. Um, you did mention that you were dealing okay with Mononoke before, um, which was, again, off camera. Um, it was tough. No, it, it was super intense, but... Um, yeah. Um, so, so it's some stuff along those lines there is family related stuff in the game itself um man we're probably annoying the shit out of people right now that have played the game yeah i'm i'm, I'm oh. sorry i apologize to people because i'm dancing around the issue here that i don't want to spoil what happens in it but um, I yeah, appreciate doc, that. but yeah i've I mean, managed I, to somehow avoid spoilers for the game which i don't know i don't, how. I don't know anything i don't know anything about Undertale. right so, yeah i've avoided Stuff as well. To sum up, basically, Undertale is the mother-free slash Earthbound sequel we never knew we would get, but are very grateful we did. It's absolutely brilliant. Can't say a bad thing about it. Um, so I've never played Earthbound, which is surprising. Me neither. It's got a similar sort of silly kind of like weird bent on it. Like there's some strange mm-hmm. surreal humor in it, but there's a lot of heart to it as well. And um, I, I definitely think that once you find out the backstory of some of the um, characters particularly toriel and um asriel when they appear um yeah box of tissues time that's how yeah be prepared especially as listen to the music already oh the music i love it i said the sans music is so good the sand the the papyrus music is amazing also awesome yes so good i'm I'm gonna make it my my goal one life in my life to one day enter a tournament and have a boombox on it that plays over which is the um (laughs) which is the papyrus and sans free stooges theme like that's That's literally that is my life goal so um any feels you want vog about what you've been up to lately have you gotten to the shark part in Resident Evil? I, I, I got to the zombie shark part in, in Resident Evil 6. Oh, okay. Well, there's there's a, a much superior shark part in Resident Evil 1, which when I played that on the GameCube when that remake first came out, it it, it gave me chills because me and sharks... I, have, I, I, don't even, I don't care about sharks. <laughs> sharks are amazing and terrifying. Sharks are terrifying. No, in, in the terrifying sense, sharks are great, but they're not really scary for me, unless I see one in real life. I've always been on edge beca- about sharks because, bizarre as this sounds, I went to Florida once and we were traveling up to, I think it was St. Petersburg. We stayed there for a couple of days. Uh, two days after my family left, we had a news report saying that someone had been eaten in St. Petersburg Bay by a shark. And I was like, oh my yeah. God. What, what year was this? This was in the early 2000s, so it was quite a while back when I was much younger. Wow. But yeah, um, I heard about that and we were like, right, we're not going in the water. Not there anyway. I uh, I was at a dinner party last night with, with some friends and neighbors and someone was talking about their travels. They did a, like a humanitarian uh, volunteer when they were in like college. They went to, I can't remember what country it was in South America, but uh, someone... Uh, one of the locals dove into the water and then emerged 
bear hugging a shark and said, what? does anyone want to touch touch the shark? I, and I was like, you are no, fucking kidding me. No. And we're good. Thank you. That's like, <laughs> and it made me think of the scene in Kenichi, The Mightiest Disciple, where an old man suplexes a shark. And it's amazing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I also do remember, speaking of sharks, I'll briefly shout out to uh, Jojo's Stardust Crusaders where um, Jotaro literally literally beats up a shark for no reason I can think of other than he can. No, no, he beats up a shark because uh, the shark was about to eat the... Oh, the girl, yeah. But no, that was that was still like, a shark just got uppercutted. What a day. <laughs> yeah. What That's a day. pretty good. And then and he liked it so much that he became a marine biologist. Yeah. So could... <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Jotaro became a marine biologist just so he could punch more sea life. Holy shit. That might... That might be number one on the the, the great shark scenes. Uh, I think at the end of one of the Tomb Raider live action films, doesn't Laura Croft tame a shark? You know what? <laughs> does she ride the shark? Does she jump the? Sh- does she jump the shark? Uh, I think that's well, the film. She, that's yes, the film. Yes, I think she punches it and then like starts riding it. I I I haven't. It's been a while. Yeah. Some. Someone email us about that scene. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh. that's the movie. <laughs> that's oh. the film. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> that's Angelina head. Jolie punching uh. a shark. Yeah. Ah, uh, video game adaptations no. movies. So, um, I'll leave Orgelia there to allow her to, you know, gradually... Recover. Pu- yeah, to push the, the brain juice and all that that's coming out of her nose back up her head to recover. Um, so what have I been up to lately? Um, well, in the past week since we re- or past two weeks since we recorded, I've attended two tournaments. Um, I went to Versus Fighting Five, which was in Birmingham, yeah. and uh, I came joint fifth out of sixty-four, I believe. Thank you. Good show. It's a good tournament. Yeah, thank you. Um, and much show respect to both Doc and Vov for watching and throwing support my way on Twitter and, and such. That was that was really nice of you guys. Thank you. Hey, you d- you did very well. It was a lot of fun watching. I any time that you're in a tournament on stream, please let me know. I will be mm. rooting for you. Yeah, I'll always I'll always sweet out about that. So if anyone wants to watch me either, you know, yell down a microphone about Guilty Gear or just watch me play, if it is streaming, I will certainly let you all know. Um, Sadly, there was no stream for the last, one. which was which was actually yesterday. Um, that one was I I won that one. And that's the eighth local I've won in a row now, and people are getting kind of about it, you know, like, Shaden wins again, you know, it's all that kind of thing, like, you know, people were happy when I when I won, like, the first two times, but now everyone's just like, this is boring, God, stop winning, like, you know. You're too good, the game is shit, Kai is shit. I'm just a scumbag. Like, like... It's like like Mace. Uh, shouts to um, C4IQ. Uh, he's mm-hmm. arguably the best Leo player in the United Kingdom, and he's a genuinely chill guy as well. Like I remember, I remember quite fondly that he was commentating my matchup at versus five five against another guy, and he said that when you're playing against to paraphrase, when you're playing against Shaden, it's like playing against an anomaly. You're playing, yeah, that's what he said. And then he said it's like playing against extremely messed up AI. <laughs> I remember he said he didn't know where you got all your experience from. Uh, I don't know the answer to that either. I think I'm literally, <laughs> I, 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 
I'll let you know when I know. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you when I find out. I mean, like, I can just say that now. So how did you learn how to fight in Guilty Gear? And then there's just silence for five minutes. But yeah, um, those times were, were quite enjoyable. Um, so I, my only disappointment, though, was with, uh, I have to confess, with Versus Fighting Fight, because the venue was great. Not going to deny that. It was, it was air-conditioned. Thank Christ for that, because I had another tournament prior to that where I had a 30-minute um, set in sweltering, like, muggy heat in this room with no fans, and I was I could barely stay awake. And having aircon this time around was fantastic. But what the organizers of Versus Fighting 5 decided to do was to run several tournaments um, brackets simultaneously at overlapping times. And they allowed mm. multiple pe people to enter multiple tournaments. So you could, for example, theoretically enter Guilty Gear, uh, Street Fighter Five, and Mortal Kombat, or it's something like that, at the same time. And these tournaments were running simultaneously. So, of course, because everyone I knew there did not have 10 pairs of arms or was the ability to split into several different people and be in several places at once. If you were playing Street Fighter Five, you could not play the others, and therefore the brackets for all of the tournaments got held up. And I was returning home that day at half seven, and my plan was, because I thought, all right, tournament will be over by, what, four o'clock? My plan was, okay, tournament's over. I'm going to gather everyone I know and I, I love and care about up into a big group, and we're going to go to the pub, and we're going to get shit-faced. But no, the bracket rover ran so significantly that it was still going by the time I was actually halfway back to Manchester on the train that I had to get, which was a bit shit, to be honest. I mean, yeah. No, this is the thing as well. Like, I realise now that in all likelihood, if I had actually beaten Mace in that tournament and proceeded onwards, I would have had to have actually forfeited oh, and, no. go and gone to get the train. And it shouldn't have taken that long to get to that point. I mean, we, to give you some context, I said my train was at half seven. Uh, the tournament started at 11 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty bad. And I will also point out that Versus Fighting 5 had a second day which was mostly just Street Fighter Top 16, as I understand it. So why they didn't, say, do the Top 8 the following day for Guilty Gear... Yeah. Answers on a postcard, because <laughs> I don't know. And that, that that annoyed me. Like, that like that annoyed me. Like, losing doesn't annoy me. Missing out on the chance to spend time with people like that, that pisses me off. I mean, Christ, I had a burger on the way back, like, a restaurant. I had to wolf it down because my time was so limited. It was just... Uh. But anyway, anyway. Um, Hopefully they'll figure it out. Yeah, the, 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 pe pe people have made their complaints clear, um, so maybe they'll figure it out. Um, one final thing I'll mention, because otherwise not really much has been happening. I've been watching more ReZero, um, and how far are you up on ReZero now, Dot Have you watched any more of it since we last discussed this? No, I have... Uh, I've been watching a lot of older anime. I've not... Uh, I've, I've kind of paused, for whatever reason, on the currently airing stuff. Sure. That's fair. Well, we'll come back to ReZero another time when we're both kind of caught up at the same point. Um, but um, apart from new anime, there is other one other thing that I am going to foreshadow. Oh. Um, yes. So. Oh, um, oh, 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 oh. Okay, so this oh, has not oh, yet oh. been confirmed, and I'm still not going to say it um, otherwise until it has been confirmed, because I don't want people from the south of London coming to lynch me for saying it before they're ready to confirm it. But um, something very important that I, uh, is happening in September that I have been summoned for. Um, it's Guilty Gear related. And I will say nothing more than that. Speculate how much you wish. It's, 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 the, it's the release of Final Fantasy XV. <laughs> right? 
That's happening in September, right? Right? No. No, because they fear Persona. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's the, the truth, man. No, no that's next, next year, though. Well, for us, but in Japan, uh... it is in September that game comes out. Oh, right, and okay. The, the Japanese company Square Enix cares very much about the, the domestic sales of that game. Wow, that's pretty bad. Well, I mean, it just, hey... I mean, I think everyone knows Final Fantasy is not what it once was, and there's a power vacuum at the, you know, top of the JRPG pile, and Persona has risen in the last ten years to take that, uh, to take that crown. I think that in the popular consciousness, I would agree. Like, I think that you know people are very aware of that particular game. Then, although Persona itself, of course, is not immune to the you know jokes and the puns and the insults about being delayed. Coming in winter of 2014. <laughs> Did they say 2014? Yeah, they did on the very first announcement trailer. Oh, brother. Yeah. And then they delayed it again after they delayed it then. So there you go. Get that game right. (laughs) You know what? I'm okay with that. Yeah, don't release a No Man's Sky. Ah, yes. No Man's Sky. Should we... Should you... I was going to say, do you want the space to talk about that game? Maybe we should table that for another time. Do you want the space to talk about that oh. game? What? No! Oh. <laughs> By the way, do either of you guys know where a rope store is? Just asking for a friend. <laughs> a store specializing in ropes? Yes. That's a, that's a, that's an interesting, that's a, I, I, I really want to see the archives of, like, the, the, um, the dialogue between the person that is to own the store and the bank manager that's going to grant him the loan to do it. <laughs> I want to open a store. It's like ropes. I want $500,000 oh, to open the store about ropes. Anyway, so, um, yeah, that's pretty much it since we since we recorded the Phantom Cast. There are other things going on in my personal life, but I'm not going to talk about that because, well, Boo. Personal. Look, right? Just because there's just because there's a lovely looking Greek lady coming over to oh shit, fuck. Am I Uh-oh. Pos- uh, no, I'm not. I'm not going to talk about that. I'll tell you after the fact. What? What? It's okay. I'm not going to talk about it anyway. <laughs> I'll save that one for for off off mic, I suppose. Uh, it's it's you. You'll see a video. <laughs> I hope not. It'll Whoa. be a reenactment though. Oh, the right. Knowing why I know, and knowing what I a dog in costume. No, 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 right. No, stop. Because knowing why I know about the thing that I'm not telling you about, that. Ah. I'll be playing the part of Shadon. Give my best Mancunian accent. Your best, your best Shadon cosplay. I hope you shave my head for that role. It's a role of a lifetime. I'll have to shave my head. You'll you'll shave your head so you can have like the things to to stick on your chin for a beard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, good God. I mean, I have a small beard. I, I it's not quite as thick as as uh, as our boys. But let's put aside those extracurricular pursuits. You actually so probably I'll... know. You, just to say, Doc, before you start, you're probably actually are more on the nose about what I'm planning to do in the coming days than you actually realize with that phrase. Oh no. I'm All saying right. nothing more. Well, I have been up to the usual business. Um, so, Liverpool Football Club started their season this weekend. 
And Ooh. it was a fantastic. Like, I, of course, dressed my son up in his Liverpool kit. He's a one-and-a-half-year-old, and I'm convinced... I love that anime. I'm con- really love that anime. What's that? I love that anime. <laughs> Liverpool Football Club. It's, it's, it's oh the God. best. Uh, well, I wonder, is there a lot of uh, overlap between football fans and anime fans? Not really. There, well, there are more than you think. There's like this contingent on Twitter that calls themselves Anti-Twitter FC. Uh, because they are all anime fans and also soccer fans. Uh, I could probably shout out most of them by name, but I think, I think I'll, all three of them. I'll leave it to, to you to track them down. Uh, but there are a few of us out there. Uh, Mike Tool is one and Mike Tool eat it because your <laughs> arsenal got fucking beat by the Reds. <laughs> You know, Dal, for someone who for someone who is saying he's going to impersonate a British accent many times, you at least have the the lingo and the attitude down pretty strongly. I have been following this shit for a few years. I've picked up a, a word here or there. So. You've assimilated very well. <laughs> but no, Liverpool at uh, the opening fixture in we're in London at at the Emirates. Let, so statistically, I'll throw a few numbers at you. They are the Arsenal, very very good team out of London. Right, so they have had the stadium they're in right now for ten years. Mm-hmm. They have played two hundred eighty odd games in that stadium. They've only lost thirty five of those games, and they've only lost one of those games to Liverpool. And we beat them four three this weekend, Oof. and we should have we should have beat them by more. Like that scoreline is not quite an accurate reflection on how that game ended. Uh, I, I think we overran them in the second half, and but I'm happy with the win. I'm happy with the win. Start the season off good. Uh, I'm, I'm know, pleased. I'm, I'm just gonna also mention. Again. I'm, I'm very happy for your achievement, Doc. I'd, hey, I, I played I know, my I know part. You, had, you played a, a, your part in this. Yes. My, I dressed my son up in his kit. Damn it. Oh, oh, that's sweet. That. Yeah, yeah, he's he's the good luck charm. Every, now every weekend he's got to do it. <laughs> cool. Every weekend. But the football fixtures in the United Kingdom are basically every weekend at this point for the next couple of weeks. So that's why, because there'll be more matches for Liverpool. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. One one game a week. Uh, the sometimes they're during the week for cups, uh, which are just tournaments that are separate from the league play. Um, yeah. but. Uh, so I've also been, let's see, I've been also playing video games for Galia. I, I play them too. Whoa. Uh, I've, I've played quite a lot of, uh, a PlayStation one tactical RPG called Ark the Lad. Uh, I think it came up on this podcast before. Gladly. It rings a bell, definitely. It, it's like a, it basically, it looks like a souped up SNES game. It's like a 1995 game. So you get the wonderful 2d sprite work and kind of limited animation and stuff but um it's really scratching a particular itch it's a nice simple tactical rpg you don't have to do any grinding there's not really a lot of exploration uh there's a bunch of arcing some lads but for (laughs) the rest of it it's it's a fairly standard tactical (laughs) rpg yeah well yes (laughs) um i don't know it it does just enough to uh make the battles pretty interesting and unlike you know disgaea or final fantasy tactics again 
I'm not like repeating the same maps over and over to grind. There's really not a lot of grind. It kind of like the story battles level you up as you need to level up. So oh, that's good. It's it's a short game, I think, and you're just getting story. Uh, and as simple as the story is, it's it's fun and well because Working Designs did the did the localization. Uh, those of Lunar and Grandia and Growlands are fame. Uh, they're they're a very good localization team, and they did a great job with this game as well, making what is a fairly boilerplate plot again very fun to read through. Uh, people have bad accents, yes, and that's it's fun. Yes, that's always welcome. Awesome. Uh, other than that, since since we've all been getting a little personal, I will let you in on a part of my life here and now that I've not shared off mic yet. All right. The least favorite part of my job. And I realize this could probably be an opening question on another podcast, but I'm going to go ahead and break the seal anyway. Talk about this. Because it's a part of my job I just had to endure. And that part is graduation. I fucking hate graduation. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I I work at a university. Mm -hmm. And so I'm faculty here. Rain or shine. uh, Sick or well nine months pregnant, whatever, you have to go. Everyone has to go. Like, it is, the administration is infamous for making people go to this that are otherwise should be exempt. Mm -hmm. And there are three of these bastards a year. It's not just once a year. It's May, it's August, it's December. And it's only for a few hours, but it is a maddening few hours that you sit in an auditorium full of people which to them, it's like the gr- never before has someone's greatest day been a day that I dread so much. Like everyone is so happy because they're graduating. The parents are all in the stadium. They're so happy. And I'm just miserable reading names on the paper because I can't bring oh, my God, phone. You have to do stuff. No, no. I have to sit there and read along as all the names are read on the paper. <laughs> I don't have to, I don't have to do anything. Can you just get your phone and just get earbuds and just listen to music? Well, the bosses would look unfavorably upon that. They would kill if you. I did that. No, but like they're not gonna just look at you like just scan you for any any earbuds. Is is this guy wearing headphones? Let's check. I don't think they would pick you out from a crowd. Well, we're all sit, we're all sitting together. The faculty march in together, and we all have our regalia, our graduation robes and hoods yeah. and hats and shit on. And oh, so, that we're all sitting in the same area. So if like my red earbuds sort of contrast against my black graduation robe very starkly, uh, mm. I would be caught quickly. And, uh, and you don't have long hair, so you can't hide. Yeah, no, I take I'd... that for granted. I take that for granted <laughs> so much. And so this is like the sitting through it. It might not be the worst part of it. Like, so we have to, like I said, wear this regalia mm-hmm. and I have it in my office, uh, but the office will close while graduate, like while this is going on. So I have to take my things to my car and rather than carry around all that shit, I just I've got put it on. Mm-hmm. And I walk a few blocks to take my shit to my car, and like people on the trolley are like waving at me and saying, "Congratulations, you're graduating." And I'm just like, oh, just, just leave me alone. Shut up. <laughs> I, I feel so awkward right now. Uh, and like people are asking me questions, like 
just it's just supremely awkward and it's very hot in the summer to walk several blocks in this and it's yeah. it's just a miserable mess and i yeah. really grad so graduation i really hate it can i just ask doc because when i when i graduated from university are your regalias not like different colors or have different like filigree or like trim or anything like that than the students or do they otherwise look pretty much the same it depends right uh many people uh will wear what they got at their university so there are a few folks that look different but but i just kind of like i i skipped my uh postgraduate ceremonies so i didn't really have all that you know fancy shit so i had to buy some when i got the job so it's just black oh, like no. the hood but the hood is uh the hood is yellow and blue hmm. um but the the rest of it's just black which is really it retains heat very well yes i can i can definitely see what i mean um when i when i graduated um i the in the united kingdom actually you just rent um you rent graduation gowns out pretty yeah. much um i'm actually very good friends um with one of the professors i studied under um a dr luke jones of the university of manchester uh shouts to him if you're listening luke um is it the is he the uh the one the batman story was about <laughs> um which batman story was that again you you, sh- you mentioned showing a professor an episode of batman the Animated oh series yes yes to illustrate yes. a particular concept y- yes that was him that was him okay. Uh, okay. to give you to give you some idea about dr dr jones briefly and yes you can make all the dr jones jokes you wish i'm sure he's heard them all before um he's a professor of time psychology and time per- time perception psychology um at the university and he's also a bassist in a metal band right right because he's that awesome right. yeah he's yeah. also he's also a former league chess player as i understand it wow and on top of that he's also learning to play the piano the man is a genius he and is octave from interstellar he is he is octave, you, but he, did you see the bio that 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 came up uh well, do you remember i, I when I they flashed missed- up the bios so he's like uh so of course he is the keyboard player in the band in the anime we'll be talking about. But his likes are like chess and <laughs> the uh, DJ. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and do you know what his, his hate his dislikes made me laugh because it mm-hmm. simply said hates injustice. That <laughs> <laughs> was I was going to talk about same uh... same that game was about garbage. That was the only part that that caught my eye. Dislikes injustice. <laughs> but yeah, yeah um, barrel barrel do. dislikes ice skating. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> um, but to go back to go back to him briefly, like every graduation he goes to, he of course has to get dressed up in the big regalia as well. And you know what? He, he what is this word that ends in galia that I've never heard? Regalia re- sounds weird. Regalia. Uh, it's like an outfit. It's like fan- fancy, you know, oh, formal outfit. Your robe and yeah. hood and hat. Yeah. Very on it. Um, so he gets dressed up in formal that. Formal wear. Formal wear, yeah. So he gets dressed up in that. And you know what, Doc? Like, I've seen him wear that and I think to myself, okay, that looks really cool, but it must be a ball ache to get into it 
and then get out of it. And if it was, you know, really hot on the day, as it can be in the summer of Britain, then it must be shit to be in that. And that, so, I can I, I can empathise with you definitely on the on that, especially when you get people. I mean, people wouldn't mistake him for someone who just graduated because of the fact that his robe is like ridiculously fancy. Um, but in your instance, you say like I can imagine that really just does get grades here at year, and you just get bored of people asking like, for the last time, I'm not graduating. I know. I guess I look young <laughs> because everyone's like, congratulations, buddy. It's I don't want to explain to you. Yeah, you, you. I'm very placed... annoyed and miserable. You... Mm -hmm. It's three a year. Three... Why do we have to go to all of them? It's miserable. And my my uh, supervisor uh, a few years ago was weeks from having her child and had to be there. And so I can no, only imagine no, what no, that's like. No, 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 no. I'm sorry, but that's... Yes. No, no. I mean, okay. It uh, You find it, it... You don't enjoy it because, you know, it's, it's uncomfortable and all that. But, oh, yeah, that's a new level. Oh, yeah. but And you can soldier through it, though. But that, that is, in no uncertain terms, in my opinion, horseshit. It is. It is. So it was like December 15th, that Saturday, and... Uh, she ended up uh, having her baby on like January third. Oh God's sake! Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> no, absolutely one of, not. Uh, one of my uh, other colleagues who's just had her baby like basically the day before graduation, and we were like, "That a boy, son? That a boy?" Wait, 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 she was. She's one of the the select I, I few who's been someone. who's been exempt. If <laughs> I was going to kill someone, <laughs> if, if you no, said yes, there would be there would be like the university will be embroiled in legal battles if that. Oh was my the case. god! Yeah, I can I can just see that going down right now. I mean, I'm actually surprised that she outright like the other lady that you mentioned there who was pregnant at the time I were playing just didn't outright refused. Like I. I I felt she would have been more than a rights to if they'd have then taken any further. Is there a happy ending to your story, Doc, or is it just literally they sucks? No, it no. I just wanted to. So I just went through this uh, since we recorded, and I wanted to bitch about it. So look, if you want, if people, you know, people will be, you know, like they saw best intentions and all that. Although admittedly, your faculty has some very questionable everything. <laughs> quite yeah. questionable everything. We do. But we do. How we many have more good points? But you know. Yeah. How many more graduations out of the three are left? Is that the third? No, we have December for this year, yeah. But you have a gap then. You have time. At least, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, I mean, the May-August turnaround is just... Yeah. Oh, I mean, I hate the August graduation let, so much. Let me just say to you right now, right? Two things. You've got through it. You're over the hump. And in a moment, we're going to talk about something that really puts a smile on your face. So don't worry. It's behind Yay. you. Look forward to it. I have a platform here. What what good is it if I don't bitch about stuff that is our first world problems, right? <laughs> Fair enough. Grumpy Doc will disappear during the break, and Happy Doc will return after this. This is a fine, elegant, half a fourth banker. 
Even when it's sucked by scum like you? Captain Amazing, what a surprise. Really? I'm not so sure about that. Your first night of freedom and you blow up the asylum. Interesting choice. I knew you couldn't change. I knew you'd know that. Oh, I know that. And I knew you'd know I'd know you knew. But I didn't. I only knew that you'd know that I knew. Did you know that? Of course. My name is Enzo Amore, and I am a certified G and a bona fide stunt, and you can't teach that! Now that we got all the bullshit out of the way, let's get down to business Hell yeah. and talk about Interstellar 5555, the just glorious, this wonderful show that sort of prompted us to do this emergency podcast immediately, regardless of the fact that we had just recorded another podcast. I think um, I think that, you know, as I mentioned before, there is a chicken and egg thing here, a cause and effect thing, where was it because of the, of the show we did previously that we had to watch this, or was it just happy coincidence that we got to do this i mean you you sent out the signal flare mate the the you know rohan called for aid and everything the towers were lit <laughs> the towers were lit and so we came and i'm very glad that um i came along for this particular ride definitely it was a, it was a pretty short thing it could be done just about at any point i think mm-hmm. so it doesn't really matter that we did the podcast that soon but it was after phantom still, like, which i'm grateful for yes it was after phantom which I'm very the wounds are still they're still festering they're not totally healed from from phantom but (sighs) we will we will try to press on nonetheless uh Mm -hmm. so in in this particular section of the show like I don't I, I realize I'll probably be talking a lot like but please interrupt please insert anecdotes and other things uh I don't want this to turn into a monologue, um, but uh, I did want as opposed as opposed to Phantom, you'll be doing most of the time. <laughs> this time. But I won't be as enraged as you are, thankfully. Oh. <laughs> yes. uh, this is a chill show. This yes, is a very chill episode. It's like just sit back for the ASMR experience. So, but I did think it was important to uh, give a little bit of historical context to this. Uh, because of the creator, um, because of uh, Leiji Matsumoto, uh, but but before before I get into him specifically, I realize there may be some people who are still listening who aren't aware uh, what Interstellar Five 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 actually is. Um, it's not a typical anime. In fact, I don't 
know of any other anime that is this or is like this. Mm-hmm. Nick Creamer on Twitter, shout out to Nick. He's my favorite uh, A&N writer. Uh, yo, Nick. Uh, he described it as uh, just this like amazing alternate reality anime music video that shouldn't probably shouldn't exist in this world. Uh, mm-hmm. do, would you describe it as a music video? I mean, is that like a fair way to... Definitely. Uh, sort of. It, it, though it fails as a music video, I think. Because a music video is supposed to, like, sort of uh, go with the music and accentuate the things that are happening in the music. This did not quite work like that. Hmm. It's more of a celebration of this artist, and I think, sort of. Interesting. And, like, it sort of begins as a wannabe music video. Mm-hmm. But it ends up more of a just like this artist inspired this this lazy lazy Matsumoto guy to like it just gave him images in his head hmm. and he wanted to capture them. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah. Okay. Then sit back and hear as I tell you sort of how this came together and be surprised. I'm very I'm very eager to hear this. Okay. Or is this the repurposed anime? Uh, n- no, no, thankful. This is not. This is. I was. I was surprised uh, at, at hearing kind of how this came together. But uh, so, so let me talk about. I want to talk about Leiji Matsumoto for a minute because he's one of my absolute favorite people creators uh, in the anime industry. Um, he's in his eighties, so he got his start. Just, I, I think. God, in the 50s, 60s, like he started uh, working on comics. Uh, he's he's a mangaka by trade, right? A manga artist first, but really, I think is more known at least over here uh, for uh, his anime stories, the stuff that uh, is sort of inspired by his comics. Um, hmm. And he didn't hit it big until the 70s, but um, but anime was kind of a burgeoning medium in japan at the time i mean you know in the 60s you had astro boy but Mm. um but you had a lot of animated fare that um i don't know like over here was sort of targeted uh at children uh until the mid 70s i want to say 74 when matsumoto and uh nishizaki or aka the nish as we we refer to (laughs) him rest in peace the, the nish uh, got together uh, and made a show called Space Battleship Yamato. Ah, yes. No, known known to some people as Star Blazers. That's how it was, came over to America as Star Blazers. Um, and that show, while it didn't, like a lot of really influential anime shows, like it didn't burn up the ratings charts while it was going. Uh, original well it ran its original run or whatever but it became this huge cult thing mm. and the music associated with it sold a whole bunch and it changed the game i think as far as like what creators thought audiences could handle and were ready for in anime storytelling like mm. some serious sci-fi some serialized entertainment some some stuff with like like leji matsumoto is known for like stories that are just filled with pathos, like tragic heroes and uh, stories that are like like 
about like what it's like to be a man and like the burden of of manhood and like uh really heavy tragic stories in some ways while osamu tezuka the creator of the aforementioned astro boy is rightly considered like the the father of anime i think leiji matsumoto is an almost as important figure um Hmm. because and and the the character designs uh in yamato are his designs Hmm. and and he considered it like he started to i mean despite the niche's continued involvement he kind of considered it his thing and he made the space battleship yamato comics um and so that show became so important. I mean, there would be no Mobile Suit Gundam without Space Battleship Yamato. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and so it, it's a show of such importance that I think, while I wouldn't necessarily say that Matsumoto is like the equivalent of Tezuka in anime history, he's up there. Hmm. He's very up there. And like, uh, and he's just produced so much amazing science fiction. Uh, he's done, of course, Yamato, uh, Galaxy Express 3.9, is amazing uh episodic uh series of stories about a a train that travels through space Excellent. kind of it's great i mean it's it's uh and, and the lady uh maytel who uh is on board the train and and her uh her exploits with a young boy named tetsuro uh and and galaxy express like is the place where all these other characters from Matsumoto's other stories show up. Um, nice, I like. That. Like it. It's it's where Captain Harlock, I think, made his debut. I'm sure everyone knows Captain Harlock. There is a mech show that was produced in the West um, that I am very very fond of called Megas XLR, which I may have mentioned before. There is an episode of that show which is an outright balls to the wall Captain Harlock reference. Like awesome. literally, like literally, it literally has the battleship Yamato in it and him. Um, but then again, Megas XLR always lampoons so many different anime shows. But that one, full, <laughs> full blown, full blown Captain Harlock reference. Um, so yeah. What's uh, Captain Garlock? I've, I have this <laughs> name in my head. Garlock. <laughs> oh, uh, well, I think Gar. It, like it's it's just a wordplay. Like Gar is um, I don't know like the exact sort of lexical meaning of it. But it, ref- I think it refers to shows that are very manly, mm. and Harlock is certainly a manly character, and it is. Uh... Yeah, but like, where where do I have this name in my head? Like Garlock, I I know I've heard this name in like an anime. A bootleg. There's, t- there's a Twitter, there's a a Twitter user who's prominent on any Twitter called Captain Garlock. That could be it. Uh, but Harlock is like this. Just I can't speak for the recent cg movie i've not i've not seen it it's on netflix if you if you'd like to seek it out but um that original harlock tv show and the arcadia of my youth movie uh and then his stuff in galaxy express is all so fucking good captain harlock is an incredible character i mean he's such a badass He's, he's great always like constantly drinking wine i mean every single appearance like <laughs> drinks so much fucking wine drinks everyone under the table not affected by it in the least always has a giant sort of sad depressed vulture on his shoulder like the vulture's always crying <laughs> like it's so good um and uh queen emeraldus is another wonderful character from matsumoto's universe uh she's uh, also a badass space pirate uh 
and she like <laughs> she's in love with another character who when you like when you see what he looks like you'd be like damn he did really well because <laughs> he's sort of goofy look he looks like the drummer from from Interstellar. <laughs> ah so he's he's about four feet tall yeah he's a like a little potato guy <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, so and you know that you know that hat in the uh the fashion show scene where so that little guy at the drummer barrel sneaks into the fashion show to take pictures yes and he's wearing that giant hat so that's like a tribute to that character that character shares the design and always wears that hat nice i like that and, and that's kind of and matsumoto's work like it's interesting because you'd think I'm describing all these things and you're like, God, the continuity must be hellish. There's no continuity between any of his works at all. Uh, each one, like, like there's multiple stories of the origin of Harlock. There's multiple different characters, like characters die in different stories, but they're around in others. Like This sounds familiar. This sounds an awful lot like what we were discussing on the Macross Frontier podcast with the, you know, the flexible hmm. continuity. Right. Well, he he doesn't really have that sort of meta idea, right? That Kawamori has that that there is something actually that happened that these things are referencing, yeah, and that they're a point of view of, like like uh, Matsumoto doesn't really espouse that. So so Macross fits together um, in some ways, but like none of the none of the Lagiverse stuff like it contradicts each other. Like if you try uh, to fit right. together, you right, know what I, I mean? Yeah. Like some characters are villains in some works, but then they're not in other. Like basically, he has this stable of archetypes and character designs that he mm. repurposes uh, for for whatever kind of reasons he needs to. Mm. Um, except Harlock, kind of, you know, and a lot of the characters retain their personality, but their roles just change and the details of their life change. But I think the most interesting, like the the design I gravitate to anyway, and well, you could you could speculate why this is is uh, is uh, Leiji Matsumoto. I love his his female character designs, like mm. the tall, slender, long, blonde haired uh, women that uh, get. They have this sort of elfish fairy quality. They're very ethereal, very otherworldly, Ma- very majestic. At least judging from what I've seen in um, in Stella. Yeah, yeah, very much. They're always like, uh, well, not all like. They're they're usually very graceful, yes, uh, and elegant. But like this same character design, like sometimes these ladies are heroes, sometimes they are great villains. There's a uh, leader of an alien race called the Mazone who shares the character design of of Stella from Interstellar, except her hair is green in Captain Harlock, and she is you know a villain bent on you know destroying the human world. Uh, she's a space witch, basically, and uh, I don't know. There, like, I think there's probably something, something to that uh, that I'm just not kind of that I can't articulate. Right? That that this this ethereal, otherworldly kind of mysterious mm. woman, yeah. Well, by like, the very... in his stories, plays the part of hero, plays the part of villain. Yeah. You know? Well, by the very nature of how you're describing it, you know, as ethereal, otherworldly, and the multiple roles, there is an intangible quality. But that it's sometimes with characters like that, you just can't necessarily put your finger on. You, you can't always pin things down to words when it comes to liking, um, you know, characters or character designs. Sometimes 
there is an appealing quality that is intangible and indescribable. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I mean, art in itself is subjective, but sometimes the answer can just be, it just is. You don't have to always, you know, dissect everything down to its bare bones. I know some people will criticize him because the way Stella looks, that's the way all all young women in his worlds look. Like, every single one. I mean, and sometimes they're not, like, mysterious space witches, right? Or, or pirate captains with, with dark pasts. You know, sometimes they're just, like, people that work on the crew, like the bridge of the Yamato. But they mm. look like that. Like, they look like Stella in her human form, like, almost exactly. Mm. Um, and a lot of people will, you know, go after him for that for different reasons. Like, uh, But I don't know. I, I kind of am in love with that character design, so I am happy for him to continue to use it. And some someone on Twitter or by email, please send in, like, I know that... Um, I used to know that hit the inspiration for his design. I feel like it was an actress that he saw and was very enamored with and just that's the design, you know, that that's the inspiration for his his uh iconic design, but it, her name escapes me at the moment. But that's Leiji Matsumoto, a person who probably hasn't gotten his due in America because a lot of his more recent work apart from Interstellar hasn't been as well received over here. But we're here to talk about Interstellar. So let's talk about it. One more time. One more time. I want to address. I want to address what Borgalia said uh, about her suspicion, kind of of its origins. But Shadon, it sounds like you have something you'd like to offer before we get into that, i have to say like about my history with the show of this anime or rather my ignorance of it um so when i was growing up um in the age before youtube in the age before even napster really was a thing um we and my family and my household had um cable tv we had um sky and one of the offerings from sky at the time that i was growing up in my um like when i was about 13 at the time was a series of music channels. So you had MTV and you had MTV subsidiary channels. And you then had other channels like Kerrang! and Scuzz, which were rock channels. And Scuzz? Yes, it was called Scuzz. That's great. Yes. What a yes. great channel name. Kerrang! Scuzz, yeah, exactly. What, what a name. Um, one of the funny things about this time, by the way, is that when I was growing up at this point, like a couple of years later where we still had this, um, MTV, of all things, was actually showing anime very occasionally late night, and at Weird. least in Britain. Like, I actually, maybe, I, I, I might be wrong, maybe this isn't actually an anime that came out of Japan, but Aeon Flux? Is that, that's Japanese, is it, or am I wrong? I, you know, I actually don't know off the top of my head. I, I mean, I know Peter Chung's name is associated with it. Yeah, but they were, they were actually um, I'm showing... it up. <laughs> um, they were actually showing... <laughs> So I Google. Let me tell you, I Google. <laughs> I Googled Aeon Flux now, and the first hit I got is, "Why isn't it officially anime forums? My anime list." <laughs> uh, so that's a no. Then so at I least. guess not. An avant-garde science fiction animated television series that aired on MTV. Yeah, that's sketchy so I'm already. Assuming it's not Japanese. Yeah, although that was that was being shown late night on MTV of all things. I mean, people make the complaint that MTV these days does not show music. 
but well, a completely different reason why back in those days. And then I also got um, at the time was watching Toonami um, on um, the English version of the Cartoon Network when that came around late night sometimes, and I caught odd episodes of anime occasionally like i managed to catch an episode of gundam um a series i don't remember which series it was of the gundam ones but all i remember from it was there was a villain um in it who was proclaiming like that he had created these mobile dolls which as i understood it at the time were unmanned <sighs> robots yeah and he this was, was gundam wing this was gundam wing and not not a not a gundam i'd recommend to you Fair enough to watch. But all, 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 I, all I remember from this scene, like, it's the only episode I ever caught of it, was that he was pontificating at great length about how his mobile dolls, these unmanned suits, were unbeatable. Like, that they could simply not be stopped, that no human pilot could ever seek to face them in battle. And, and in, the very, in the very same episode, uh, we have a Gundam pilot and his ragtag little buddy, who I can't remember his name is, he's, I, I, this is so long ago that the names are lost to me. But they're having a, they're assessing their Gundam mech, and he's like, right, the guns don't work. I don't think the shields work. It's half busted. And have a guess what happens when he takes his Gundam mech with half with it, you know, barely working and held together with duct tape and string against the mobile dolls. He cleans house. The Austin Powers thing. He dies. Nope, <laughs> he does not die. He oh. cleans house. He cleans house so hard, it's honestly embarrassing. Like, th- like. And that stayed with me after watching that. Just I thought, wow, you you sold that so hard and failed so miserably. Like Jesus Christ! But the there's thing- a lot of things wrong with that show. But man, those parts are super boring. There's a lot of like Gundams just doing pirouettes, cutting apart robots. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, but the reason I bring all this up is because at the time, of course, I was also watching the music videos that were on these channels and. This was the point where I first encountered Daft Punk's One More Time with the associated music video, which forms a part of Interstellar 555. And as a, as a, as a kid who, like, you know, was growing up, like, I mentioned before, like, that one of my formative, you know, shows was Thunderbirds, which I'm actually going to come back to a little bit later when I mention a specific one, but anyway. Um, like, this, I was instantly entranced by it. I was like, what is this? What, what is this animated thing that's a, this music video like? What, what, what is going on? And so I sat and watched every time it was on. I would always take a chance to get it. And then, like, over time, they did the follow-ups um, videos to that, which were Digital Love. And there was one in between that's whose name eludes me at the moment, because I don't ever think uh, I know. Aerodynamic. Aerodynamic. And then, of course, the last one um, was Harder, Faster, Better, Stronger. And I thought, okay, these are obviously the same characters, but I don't have any clue what's going on. Um, and I, and eventually it just kind of faded from my interest because of course the videos, they stopped playing the videos eventually, you know, after they became old, relatively old. And I thought, that's that. Like, that's all there is to it. It's just a, you know, it was nice and all that. It looked great. I liked the music and that's it. And I thought, till maybe two weeks ago, <laughs> that, I, that that was all I would ever hear of it. And then... Like, recently, I've been going to the gym, okay? And so as a joke on my Twitter, I said, I'm going to the gym, and I posted a link to the YouTube video of Harder, Faster, Better, Stronger. And then, like, literally three days afterwards, Doc says to me, <laughs> "I've right, emergency Warrior meeting, we have to watch Interstellar 555. And I'm like... Is this what, what started everything? I, I don't... I think it's just coincidence. I don't think Doc I even... I think it was coincidence. I don't remember you posting that. 
it was complete coincidence. And like Doc said, okay, I want you to go in blind. And I, and because I'm an idiot, I was like, okay, let me check up the mail link. And I checked the mail link, saw the, saw the page. And I think, I think my head exploded because I was like, wait, is. wait, what, what? This, this is actually the full continuation of that as a film. The, the thing that I last saw when I was 14 and still had a full head of hair? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I could I, I was absolutely dumbstruck by it. Yeah. I, I was like, this is the answer to a question I've had in my head for 15 years that I didn't know I was still asking. Oh my god. And Yeah, they only ever showed those first four on Toonami. That that they, that's yeah that's right they only show those first four because um, because it was tied to Daft Punk's album and of course they weren't going to do the full album on as music videos because no band has ever done that um, at least not unless you count like special DVD releases like say for example Metallica's you know compilation of some kind of monster or something like that but, but anyway like this absolutely blew me away to even find out it existed and then I watched it and then it was amazing so thank you Doc I had a sort of similar reaction where I, when I was eight, maybe younger, I had seen, or maybe ten, I had seen only the first one, only the first, like, the the one more time, but mm-hmm. on, like, oh, some, some local so um, music TV channel. I say music, music. Are music channels around anymore? They still are, actually, like as a matter of fact. Ostensibly, in, in the they sense exist. That, yeah. In the sense that they just play music all day. Yes. Nothing else. No, I'm not, no. So I'm not talking about <laughs> no, MTV. No, they actually, they actually do surprise enough, at least in the UK, because do you remember the scores, the channel I mentioned before? Back here with Scars, UK's portal to death metal. <laughs> I need a moment. <laughs> I need just a moment while I process that. Um, but anyway. We got some Aussie, we got some, some Static X for you, and but coming up right now, we've got a little bit of the local, um, what are they called? Yes, uh, Screaming Puppies. Let's go, hit the Screaming Puppies. Man, Screaming Puppies is definitely a band I need to be listening to. We got, we got some hardcore progressive trans death metal coming up for you. <laughs> you know what? I try to respond to this, but in a, in a fake accent. But it's all the raging I... bright in, you know. <laughs> the gloves down here is jamming. This literally sounds to me like a Young Ones skit, and if you've not seen the Young Ones, pity you, pity you. Um, but no, Scuzz is still going because I've been to I've been to pubs and clubs in the past, or rather a pub in particular in the past year, where they had that on the TV, um, serving as the you know the music for the for the place. Oh, okay. So it's still it's still going in one form or another. But oh, that's cool. But it, but I definitely do think like I mean we, we everyone makes the joke like you know you turn on to MTV now and all you see is the Real Housewives of OC and you just immediately want to kill yourself because fuck mm-hmm. like fuck that. But like, yeah, they do still exist in one form or another, but not to the prevalence that they had back in the day. So I was ten. I had watched like this. You're so this young. In in a flash. What? You're what so that? you're so young. Yes. You're so young. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I worked very hard for it. <laughs> <laughs> like in. I saw it, and it's not like, oh, I remember seeing this part, but it's like, 
the the aesthetic just in just a moment of seeing the the video and hearing the music just brought like five hours worth of memories right in my head. They came in my head and then they left. The only thing I remember was like looking at the 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 girl bass player. She played bass. Mm, yeah, Stella. Or was it guitar? No, it was bass. It's like wow. She's so cute. I wish I was her. Aww. It's, this ties into a, a, an incredibly huge like topic that I, I this is not this is not even the place to discuss. But um, it was nice getting to see that again. Yeah, I agree. So at the very least, yeah, I have a, a sort of a similar story in, in that. Yeah, I've watched this before, but only mm. the first part. Yeah. Did they release the rest with the rest of the anime? Uh yeah. Mhm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They've they've sh- there's a a DVD release of it uh and there's a more recent Blu-ray release but uh it, unfortunately uh, it kind of looks like garbage. It's not uh... worse. the the DVD actually looks better. At that point I didn't even I hadn't even seen like Rony Kenshin and stuff. That was definitely my first sort of experience with anime it's like this is magical is this mm. sort of and so i just classify it as like an anime as an animation of sorts that they just made for the as a music video yes like wow why, why do they not get like these artists to make to make real do stuff? this more often like, wow <laughs> yes just make to get this get this guy to just make stories yeah i'm i'm in the same boat as you vog and this is probably one of like the very first glimpses of anime that i had ever experience period like if i if i i'm trying to think now if there was anything anime that i saw prior to this um and from for the for the one more time music video and i'm drawing a complete blank pokemon maybe okay yes i suppose that counts does pokemon counts yes i suppose it does yeah i, I think it barely it's you and me i, I know it's my destiny you, you teach know, me and moments. i'll teach you right doc pokemon. doc doc Doc, right. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to hear Shaden and Doc do a, you know, karaoke rendition of the Pokemon theme, then please donate to the following address, Patreon. which will be in the... Yes, please donate to our Patreon, which we are announcing right now. Oh. <laughs> the Twitch, the Twitch sub goals. You know what? I'm up for doing that anyway. If you want to, do, if you want to, if you want to bend around with me, mate, and sing that song. We have five of them. We're gonna do. We're gonna do the greatest thing ever if we get fifteen followers on Twitch. Thank you. Yay! Oh come on, we can do aim that. high. We, we have to on. aim high. We can do that. We can do that. Come on, people. I know. I look at the download numbers. I know okay. there are more than fifteen of you listening to this. Here, here's the here's the thing. Okay, Shadon has only streamed once. Okay, I stream there most of the time. Like. 90% of the time it's me. So nobody will ever watch because oh, it's me. Oh, come on now. I listen. So I nobody, really enjoy watching you play to, bad if, games. if we if we are if we are to uh if we are to get more followers, Shadon needs to stream more because I'm not attracting anyone. Oh. Ever. We have to we have to discuss our business strategy. Yeah. Okay. I get I guess since I have the a large Twitter follower count. I guess I should take responsibility for that and stream. Well, we'll get we'll discuss this behind closed doors. Were, yes, later. The, the, the business meetings are occurring on air, like any great radio show. I know. It's yeah. It's 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 the sort of 
transparency that our fans really want. They have asked for it, and we're giving it yep. to them. And we're also a bad show, which we that's get, a We get about 50 emails a day asking for more <laughs> transparency. Listen to the process, it's, man. It's insane. Buggy's always like, let me see the sausage. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. You know, I'm like <laughs> interpreting that charitably. I'm not, you know, yeah. Buggy, whatever. Yeah, actually, yeah, you know, I was, going to, I was going to correct Doc then, but nah. <laughs> No. So anyway, back on topic. So yeah, um, we. So yeah, it looks like me and Vogue, like we, we. These are like some seeing these videos for the first time, particularly the one more time one. That was like the first hint or glimpse I had of what of anime. Even though I, because I was a kid at the time, I didn't really understand it. I mean, I thought I liked the music. I thought it looked great. If you'd have actually then told me that they'd made a full like hour long. <laughs> Uh-oh. I said sausage and buggies <laughs> online. <laughs> Buggy just came online right after I typed sausage. Why why must why must why must Why must the sudden appearance of sausage always ruin a thought I've got? The sausage is always corrupting my thoughts and ruining my and ruining my ability to talk. God damn you sausage! <laughs> We need the the sausage sign in the sky to summon Buggy. Oh, it's just a giant. <laughs> this is bad signal. No, it's a just sausage a... outline. Oh yeah, sausage signal. No, it's the it's the uh, Armor Hot Dogs logo. <laughs> so if you'd have told me at the time, like when I first watched this, or even even more recently, that Interstellar Five 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 was you know a continuation of that and was genuinely brilliant, I'd have I'd have said. No, you, you're talking about a fantasy land that does not exist. You're talking about the land of milk and honey that I've been promised so many times and yet have ultimately been denied. And then it actually turned out to be true. And I was like, holy guacamole. It's cool that this is such a personal uh, show for everyone. It, um, yeah. It, it hit me that way now. And then, you know, I also have a, like, like a, a, again, I Forgelia saying she was 10, like, I was in college when this came out, <laughs> and uh, I remember sitting, waiting for uh, a class to end, and uh, I was sitting in the hall with a bunch of people, and a guy was watching one more time on his laptop, and it just looked so fucking incredible, and I was like, what? This is like the Daft Punk music video? Like, what? Like, this is insane. Like, and it's... It, like, I knew about anime and everything at this point. And I was just like, people are just watching anime. Like, regular, normal people, not weirdos. Yeah. <laughs> this is incredible. And then, but but I never, I, I would learn what it was years later. Uh, but I don't know why I never sought it out before now, honestly. I mean, because I'm, uh, you know, as I've said, a big Matsumoto fan. Uh but I don't know. I just never got around to it. I guess um, I didn't really. Uh, I didn't really think that it would uh, be as per- as affecting as it was. Like I mm. guess I just didn't believe a music video could uh, could hold my interest in the same way that like a normal kind of narrative of like a, a movie or something would. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll say for a start that the narrative, like without saying anything about what actually happens in it, it. Like, I had this impression as a kid from from the end of um, Harder, Faster, Bear, Stronger um, of what the plot was. And that impression, I will tell you, without saying anything else, is completely wrong. Like, 100% wrong. 
Um, and then when I watched Into Cell 55 and then things unfolded as they did, I, it took me, it completely took me aback. Like, for a number of reasons, but that It's we'll fucking to... nuts. <laughs> I know, but I'm going to save all of that for later. Yes, but before we, yeah, let's not go too far into the plot. Like, I want to hit on how this thing happened because yes. it is the most, to, to me, I would also assume what Forgalia assumed about its origins. Uh, but how this thing came about is, uh, so, of course, the, the music uh, behind Interstellar is Daft Punk's Discovery album. Mm-hmm. It's all 14 songs, uh, and the anime is, is set to that music. There's no dialogue. It's just a collection of, of music videos, right? Or one giant music video that's album-like. I can I interject very briefly? Um, I don't. I don't think this cannot be stressed enough when it comes to what we're going to discuss later about the show. There is no dialogue at all. Zero. That's going to. That's going to be of vital importance later when we discuss this. There's I, like five sound effects in the entire yes. thing that aren't. Yes. <laughs> there is absolutely no spoken dialect whatsoever. So that'll be important later. But as you were saying, no Doug. The old man mumbles some chants. That's that's I think the only the only non singing. I don't even remember that, but fair enough. <laughs> uh, Discovery was released in two thousand one, like I think the fall or late summer of two thousand one, yeah. uh, and I picked it up like very soon after it came out. Uh, and I, you know, just to be full up front, love this album. So I was like totally predisposed to at least enjoy this on the level of. At least it's got good music, even if the story sucks. Yeah, it's so much better than that. But that was like the worst case scenario this could be for me. Yeah, I have to say, by the way, um, Daft Punk. Um, I never bought Discovery or, or purchased. I only ever really listened to the music videos um, whenever they had the chance. Whenever they came on, suddenly I was like, right, this is staying on. But I many years later uh, watched a film when I was in New York uh, on holiday called Tron Legacy, the official follow-up to mm. Tron. There are two good things about that film. Firstly, the actual CG. I thought they did a stunning job of, of making Tron look like a modern, reimagining with modern technology, like, you know, while staying true to the original, with the exception of CGI Jeff Bridges' face. Whoever did that, you're shit. <laughs> CGI Jeff Bridges. <laughs> yeah, whoever, whoever did that, you suck. Quit your job. Don't bother. Um, but the second thing... Um, is that Daft Punk? It's, this is a. It does did, not abide. This is a Google search. This is a Google search term that is popular. CGI Jeff Bridges, <laughs> and you get real results. What okay. is this? I have to Google it now. Uh, oh my god! The images are fucking CGI terrible. CGI Jeff Bridges. Enter. Oh god! What the? F- what? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, this is some this, this Final like, Fantasy this Spirits like Within. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is some Spirits Within bullshit. I know, I know. No, I was gonna say it looks like Kevin Spacey from the it, Call of Duty video. Yes. Oh, it did, no, it does. You're right. You're totally right. Yes. It's like the, the sort of the same level of CGI. Yeah. Man. So, so okay. Apart from apart from how it looks, accepting that, um, Daft Punk did the entire soundtrack for Tron Legacy. Every yes. single bit of it, and to this day, the only vi- the only OST for a film I have ever purchased is for Tron Legacy because it was that good. Like they absolutely nailed it. 
Oh, and by the way, to the Oscars committee of that year that Tron Legacy came out in was eligible to be nominated for, the fact that you chose not even to nominate Daft Punk for the best soundtrack of the year, you are all a bunch of imbeciles. You would not know taste if it smacked you square in the jaw. You morons. But yeah, honestly, that soundtrack was incredible. the, the, The committee notoriously doesn't even watch movies they're recommending. I'm st- I'm still calling them out on it. Like every- that was the that was the consensus in the in the me- in the media at the time. Like that you know that they were deli- they, don't, they don't watch movies in general. Yeah, they so they, they were a joke. Yeah, they were snubbed basically. Daft Punk was snubbed for that. They should have at least got nominated, even if they didn't necessarily then win it, because they put all of their effort into that. So yeah, even 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 years after Interstellar five five five, after the music videos, then their talent was still very much on show, and I can certainly appreciate that. Okay, so. I'm just going to say, right, so this production, uh, Interstellar 5555, like, is a Daft Punk production. Like, what? Yeah. So, so the, like I said, the, the, album, the album was released in 2001. They wrote the story as, like, as they were recording the album, they wrote this story. Uh, the the two guys from Daft Punk and a guy called uh, Cedric Hervé, um, a writer that they brought on. And so th- the reason... Okay, so listening to Discovery, you will see that there is a lot of old-sounding samples. Like, it feels like an old funk album. Like, there's a lot of old soul in it. And to kind of go with that theme, right? The theme of, like, I want to make something that celebrates what I liked as a kid. The visual storytelling they loved as a kid was stuff by Leiji Matsumoto. Oh, they were. So they got together with this guy, Hervé and they wrote this story and they wrote it in a, some super reverential of Matsumoto's works. Like, I mean, you would think that this is a Leiji Matsumoto story uh, because it hits so many of the, the like hallmarks that his does, uh, especially in the middle. Um, and so in 2000, right, again, a year before the album came out, those guys got on a plane, went to Japan, knocked on Masamoto's door, and were like, will you help us make this? Fortunately, he was available. So uh, they got to work. Uh, they, Toei is the anime studio that, that made yes. this, that Matsumoto used. And... Uh, Four million dollars, and three years later, uh, Interstellar was released. Wow! So, like, this wasn't sort of reverse engineered. Like, oh, let me make this like movie that kind of goes with the story. Like, what a fan made a uh, anime music video would be, right? Yeah, like, you hear I, a song you like, and you're like, oh man, that sort of fits this anime. Let me like squash the two together. It's like this. This was Daft Punk's vision for this music. I never really cared about Daft Punk, but this is a massive respect for this. I know. I mean, this is wow. I mean, if you on paper, it would have come either two ways, in my opinion. It could have been Daft Punk approaching them, or Matsumoto hearing their music and approaching them. That's the two ways gone, and I would have very much favoured the latter. If you ask me, which of the two I thought was most likely? Wow! Holy crap! And when this came out in two thousand three. Uh, Daft Punk released like a remix album alongside it just to kind of help promote it, which is also super good. There's like an awesome 
uh, Neptune's remix of Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger that is probably going to be featured in this podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, a super interesting. Roll the clip. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to show it right now. Super interesting. Uh, and, and I'm so glad that. Um, that it was you guys kind of first exposure to anime because like in the early 2000s i think that's what anime anime was very much trying uh to appeal to broader audiences um you had like pokemon which hit in the late 90s and so investors were just like holy shit we can make some real fucking money from this anime thing <laughs> and started to pour money and that you know things like uh like these sort of cross-cultural co-productions got made like uh interstellar the animatrix is a product of the oh, yes. time um and works that appeal to more general audiences like uh foodie cootie got made at that time animatrix was probably like my second sort of introduction to anime. If Interstellar was the first, Animatrix was the second. Cool Japan became like a term around this time because that, you know, Japan was very much trying to export its its pop culture uh, to the world and, and sell it in that way. And I'm glad that like it made inroads to you guys and that you guys saw it because I feel like this just, this production I mean, it's just so fucking cool, and it shows, like, there's so much potential in anime. Like, there's the, the creative talent in Japan is just so good. And in, and in France, too. Like, I mean, like, France also has a burgeoning animation scene, but just everywhere around the world, yeah. like, people getting together, like, creative people, and birthing these ideas and having the freedom yeah. to express themselves and, and put art into the world like this. Yeah. I just think it's an amazing time. Anime is not... Like, I know that the Japanese government has co-opted the term Cool Japan and is, like, funding studios now and stuff, but, like, I feel like that, um, as an organic movement, like, that happened in the early 2000s, like, that, like, broad appeal, I don't think it's there right now in anime. And that could admittedly also just be a marketing issue as well, because I would argue that there are some series that people would be able to watch if they were... I mean, we talk about gateway anime, of course. Um, sure. Sure, but I do see what you mean as well in that it does seem to be coming gradually becoming more insular as time goes by. Yeah, and I think they're just not putting as much money behind it. Those that's those that's also true. You know, like I don't think uh, they'd spend what they spent on Interstellar or or Animatrix on on something that was intentionally for foreign markets. Like uh, in like people that um not like me who just talks about what he hears and reads but people actually like know the shit and know the the people like will tell you that uh anime studios are chiefly concerned with the domestic market hmm. and marketing to the, their domestic audience because it's safe they know they've got this these number of buyers that will buy their super expensive blu-rays and they go for like they go for low risk like targeting those audiences and there are exceptions for sure i mean they're you know, tons of exceptions we could talk about, right? But, like, the overarching trend is to target those otaku or fujoshi uh, and any kind of, like, back-end income that you get from foreign markets is just kind of a bonus. Yeah, not to mention they also sometimes comes across that they're trying to merch merchandise as well quite heavily. 
Um, I can yes. certainly, I can certainly see some how some shows on face value would seem like they were designed, particularly character designs, to be made for merchandise. Um, even good shows, even shows that when, when I say good shows, yep. I'm just good. But I mean like even shows that like have substance and like you can still see how some of the ways in which they're designed and created there is artifice in trying to make marketable things. I mean, I could say for say for example that. Despite the fact that there hasn't been a second season of it for quite some, for at all, even though it's in, in planning, as I understand it, Attack on mm-hmm. Titan still mm-hmm. must be making its creators a fair wedge of money just on the merch. Where's my Stella hug pillow? <laughs> oh. To be fair, with how tall she is, though, that would be like seven feet. I'm content with a full body pillow. Fair enough. I'm okay fair with enough. that. <laughs> fair hey, that is, that is fair, man. That is all for our, our boring history lesson. Uh, Mm -hmm. So we're going to take the shortest of breaks and be back for uh, some talk about the the show itself. Excellent. that tonight oh my god boy did you think these were button checks wow you know when he stood up i thought <laughs> i thought all right he's just real quick gonna stand up and sit back down yeah unbelievable oh, unbelievable and ogawa recognized <laughs> it immediately went up with a complete unscaled combo did 60 percent right off the bat and then hit him with the mix-up into the instant dizzy oh dude wow his back is broken Wow, that, that round was over before Washige even got back into the chair.
Folks, to Waru Desho, we're still talking about Interstellar 5555. Uh, Forgalia and Shadon are still here with me, the subtle doctor. Hello, and so let's get into it. Uh, Shadon, can you uh, maybe give us uh, a spoiler free uh, quick plot rundown uh, of like so? We talked a lot about like the medium of what Interstellar is, but like what. What is it? What happens? What's it like? Okay, um, I will take great pleasure in doing this. One thing I'll note though is as far as spoiler free goes, I'm going to pretty much describe the events up to the end of the Stronger Harder Festival. There, yeah. harder, yeah. yeah. Tongue tied. Sorry, <laughs> I'm so excited to talk about. It. I'm, I'm so I'm so excited to talk about it. Uh, and then a slight bit after that, but beyond that, nothing more until we get to this. Until we get specifics. Okay, so. Um, the opening of the show or the of the movie is a concert, um, a concert on an alien world, and by alien I do mean in that it looks alien. Um, there is alien flora and fauna, unusual architecture, uh, bright, um, strong like color, primary colors, a lot of blues, a lot of yellows, 
uh, Wild Reds. Uh, and the band, there's a band playing of four people. Uh, we have a guitarist. They're all blue. They're all blue, yep. They are all blue-skinned humanoids, every single one of them. Uh, they're not the Navi from Avatar. Look around when you wake up. Did I ever tell you my favorite color is blue? <laughs> None of you will get this reference. None of you. I hate you. Go on. I just You're all plebs. I just heard an airplane fly over my head. But anyway. Um, so, yes, they're playing a concert. We have the four band members who are the um, guitar player, blonde-haired guy. Uh, we have the... As Arpeggios. Yep. No, just, we have the um, the lady who. Oh, are those were those their actual names? Like the names that flashed in the cards were those their actual names? I'll explain. Let me let me explain. Um, you have the lady that Doc mentioned, um, who is the bassist. You have the guy with the afro who is the keyboard player and also the singer on the One More Time skit, and then you have the drummer who is the short, like pudgy little face guy. Now, because there's no dialogue, um, we don't know the names of anything in this yeah. opening thing. We don't know, for example, what their race is called. We don't even learn that, for that matter. We don't know if their planet has a name. We don't know if they have a... Like, nothing. Absolutely nothing. I, like, there what are the no, band is actually called? Like, no. We don't, we no. Don't know. We, we do later learn their name, um, but I won't... I won't... Their assigned name, right? Yeah, their signed like how name, they're yeah. branded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming that, that that was not their actual name from the beginning. No, it was, it was not. The name that... that they were given yes because of events and you're right maybe maybe that is the case with their individual names also but um it's you know i guess as we move further into the cast it will be easier to call them that yeah than to call them by their descriptions yeah to be fair doc did earlier mention that they were called later on the crescendals so for the sake of simplicity um i'll use that term to refer to the band here so they're playing and everyone is having a really really good time they're having so much of a good time, in fact, that there are two guys who are watching what appears to be a radar station, and because they're having... Three guys. Three guys, okay. Three. Mm -hmm. There are three guys, and they're watching a radar station, and because, you know, they're not being observed by the boss or anything like that, because this was the innocent early 2000s when you could get away with stuff like that, like, you know, skiving <laughs> off work, uh, they're watching the concert, and not the radar station, which is signaling the approach of three spaceships. So the spaceships arrive um, at, as the concert, as that particular song gears up towards its end, and they deploy soldiers who look a lot like the Helgon or the Helgas from Killzone, as it happens. They look super cool. They do, they do. Yeah, and also from, actually, no, they also look like the soldiers from Jinro, as a matter of fact, the Wolf Yeah, Brigade. I was going to say, like, not a million miles away from yeah. uh, the, those designs, those yeah. uh, Mamoru Oshii, I think, designs uh, yeah. from Jinro. Yeah, so the soldiers, like... That's the best thing about Jinro, unfortunately. <laughs> uh -huh. I like that film. Designs. I, oh, like, no, that I film. like it too. I like it too, but I don't love it. And I, again, the best the best thing is how the how the uh, Wolf Brigade looks. <laughs> yeah, so um, not Wolf Brigade. Um, line up outside the concert hall, because they're going after the band. Um, and... Eventually, one of the guys in the control room where, or the radar station or wherever it is, the security post, spots what's going on. He notices that, like, you know, ships have arrived. And the ending, this is all set he's to get, what... He's getting his juice. He's getting his and juice, he yeah. he sees. Yeah, he sees. He's, he sees. And so this is all set, of course, to One More Time by Punk. And the ending of that song with the dun, 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 like, is as he runs to sound the alarm. And he does. He does sound the alarm. And that's when that ends. Um, and then we cut to Digital Warp starting up. 
And at that point, uh, the soldier... We'll cut to uh, aerodynamic. Are you... Oh, are you saying you're skipping over aerodynamic? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm getting the songs the wrong way around. My apologies. <laughs> it's all right. Please don't be too triggered, Daft Punk fans. I do like the band a lot, but I'm just... <laughs> I'm not totally familiar with them. I keep forgetting the names. So what happens is aerodynamic starts playing, and the soldiers storm the... the um, storm the concert. They don't actually hurt anyone. They just knock everyone out with sleeping gas. Although... Um, the guitar player manages to escape. He avoids the, getting captured by them. Can I? Can I just say, like, I have, um, I have showed my kids the first four, right? The four you're going to talk about. Yeah. Because uh, I think the middle is kind of a little too much for them right now. But um, yeah, we, like they always say, whenever Arpeggius fights off the the invaders, they're always like. He's really good at fighting. Why does he play guitar? He should just fight. <laughs> Have they never seen a rock concert? Have they never seen what they no. can do if they've had to enough liquor? No. I mean, <laughs> they're like, they're very young. I mean, the things you could do with guitars if you swing them hard enough. You know what I mean? Um, yes. So yeah, he so Arpeggio would say he manages to escape briefly before he is eventually captured. Um, so that ends, and then they're whisked away uh, through a portal. Um, like a hype, a, a, a hyperspace gate, you know that kind those, of thing. Did those ships remind you of sea life? I feel like one looked like a giant flounder, and the, the, the other kind of looked like a small eel. The the thing is, like the the two the ships with the wings on the side reminded me for some reason of Jabba the Hutt's like skiff from um, Star Wars Episode Six, Return of the Jedi. But the other one did look like some sort mm. of mollusk um, or or mm. a crustacean, uh, which was weird. Um, yeah. But so they take they get taken back to Earth, and this is when um, they are the the band that is uh, then put through a process to make them look human. Although I will, as again, remind you that the only real difference between how they look and how humans look, and this is going to be very important later, at least something I want to get into, is pretty much yeah. their skin and hair color and clothing, and that's it. Yeah. They are otherwise... Their, their memories are altered to reflect those new appearances. Yes. They undergo a long process where their memories are all basically stolen from them, taken away and stored on what look like five and a half inch floppy disks. So <laughs> they only, they only you know, they only took away like, what, the last two seconds of their memory. So it's not really the end of the world. <laughs> They're um, Omega Zip disks. Yeah. Um, one on. thing I have to note about this particular bit, um, I mentioned before Thunderbirds. There's a scene where they're going through conveyors and it looks so much like Virgil Tracy's launch sequence from Thunderbirds, where he's going down like the conveyor belt into Thunderbird 2. If Lady Matsumoto turned out actually to have watched Thunderbirds as a kid, because you did mention that it was quite influential on early, like on some early anime producers, especially ones with sci-fi mm -hmm. interests in, I would totally buy it because it looks almost frame for frame, shot shot, kind of like that. So mm -hmm. they they get so the Crescendals um, all get transformed into human-looking people. And they're then taken to see a guy. Now, this guy, he looks like... God. He looks like a cross between <laughs> Simon Stagg from the from DC Animated Universe and Dr. Wily, plus a little bit of Kingpin blood, saying, like, he's an evil-looking motherfucker. <laughs> and, he's got, and he's got a grin that tells you he's up to no good. Like, now, um... I, I have to say, when they just showed his silhouette in the first video, I was not expecting him yeah. to look like he looks yeah he he looks evil and he he spends a lot of time styling his hair into some six-pronged thing like like that's anime <laughs> hair full on like the amount of hairspray he has to use to get that i don't know but um 
this is the point where if you've only ever watched the music videos, the story is over. That's it. Oh, well, so so you skipped over Digital Love, which happens between Aerodynamic and Harder Better. The, oh, that's completely slipped my mind. Um, that's all right. What happened in that one again? I'm so sorry. So, no, it's okay. Uh, so, um, this is where we're introduced to one of the main heroes of the story, Oh, Shep. God, I cannot believe... I, I, I'm so... Right, I'll pick up where I left off. Right, okay. So... I'm sorry, because I thought it was... I've misremembered it as a continuous linear event. But yeah, um, so, cut to um, after after the Crescendals are taken away, before they get transformed, um, cut yeah. to a gentleman in a spaceship. One of the best spaceships I have ever seen. It's Holy a shit. motherfucking electric guitar-shaped spaceship. It's a flying V. It's and a flying also, V? And the, also, the bat signal they send out for help is also a flying V. Yeah, that's how they send the signal across space. It's the shape (laughs) of an electric guitar. So we have not Isamu Dyson here, and he is... Am I wrong? Am I wrong? No, no, you're not, man. (laughs) The similarities are totally there. Yeah, am I wrong? So not Isamu Dyson is actually, you know, working on his ship, like, you know, he's cleaning the outside of it, and he goes inside, he's listening to the music, because he's, as it turns out, a fan of the band. And he's also rather fond of the lady singer. Um, so he's listening to that. Ah, Stella. Ah. Uh, I'm, I'm glad there is no dialogue because it would have meant we would have had a Stella moment like, Stella! But, <laughs> no, thank, thank God that did not happen. Um, so, not Samu Dyson um, is summoned, he gets, he gets shown footage of what's happened and he travels to pursue them to Earth, which is where they were taken to. Um, and in doing... Okay, they they uh, call him... Uh, in the in the literature, uh, Shep is his name. Shep. Okay, I'll refer to yeah. him as Shep rather than being a, a rather than doing the crappy jokes. Um, T- Tales of the Shepherd. This is oh. the true Mass Effect. This oh is dear, the real story. Mass Effect would have been so much better if he did sing at least once or twice. But anyway, <laughs> um, so Shep goes after them to Earth and he crash lands. Um, not quite. I can't quite remember exactly why he crash lands, but he just it's not a smooth landing, that's for sure. Um, so he arrives Me- there. Meanwhile, can I just insert quickly that <laughs> the alien ass looking spaceships, when they enter, when the the one carrying the Christian dolls and the evil mastermind enters the Earth's atmosphere, it transforms into a normal seven forty seven. That is correct. Yes, it does. <laughs> just turns into it so as not to arouse suspicion. Of yeah, course. I mean, you can see that touching down at LAX, Jesus. <laughs> if you were, like, manning a satellite and just happened to be looking at this weird object entering the atmosphere, yeah, <laughs> what the fuck? I could just see that on the arrivals board now. I was just hallucinating because that thing appeared to be a giant metal flounder, and yeah. now it's just a Boeing. Now arriving at gate five, four brainwashed band members and Satan himself. <laughs> Again, am I wrong? <laughs> no, no, I'm not. So, um, no. so that, so going back in, we have the. Di- he, he, he was white haired and he had a white suit. He was probably some other phantom. Oh not no! Quite Satan, but very close. It continues. I mean, the phantoms do brainwash people. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it's Scythe Master. No. <laughs> no. It's no. Scythe no. Master. Don't corrupt no. this. No. We are not going to let Interstellar 5555 be cross contaminated by that turgid piece it's of crap. Scythe Master. Okay. I'm so sorry. Oh. <laughs> no. No. 
<laughs> oh. Okay, okay. So, so moving away from that, oh, where I may have just killed Matsumoto-san. <laughs> I apologize. No. I'm so sorry. Um, okay, so moving away from that, um, so then of course they did the um, harder best. Oh, I'm sorry. Can I just? Oh yeah. I, while I'm thinking about it, I don't know if we'll get to this or not in the correspondence, but I, talking about saying the words Matsumoto-san made me think of this. Like fucking Gwen Campbell, right? Our our boy, <laughs> our friend. Fucking Gwen. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you saw this tweet, but uh, so he did a. He was gracious enough to do an interview with us uh, on the My Cross Frontier episode. We got him to talk to us because he lives in Japan. He's an Australian expat who lives there. He works closely, actually, with uh, people in the anime industry um, that do like events and stuff. So he gets to go to. A lot of premieres, a lot of concerts, a lot of fan events. And so he actually, like, I don't know, has talked to Shoji Kawamori about Macross and shit. And when I was telling him, hey, we're doing this Interstellar episode, he was like, oh, yeah, remind me to tell you about that time I, I was at Leiji Masamoto's house and we talked about it. I was what? like, fuck, fucking Ooh. hell. How? <laughs> did he, did, like, can anyone just literally knock on Leiji Matsumoto's door? <laughs> just go around and you're just like oh hello there come in and uh, join me some tea yes i'll tell you about the things i've made oh there's 30 more people on my couch but ignore them yeah it's fine it's oh fine God. it's all thanks to tim eldred who like is a longtime matsumoto fan and has ed, uh been the like site admin for starblazers.net for a long long time i don't mm. even think it's called starblazers.net anymore mm. it's cosmo dna now can we can we get like a, a GoFundMe to go to Japan and have this person yes. introduce yes. us to Leiji Matsumoto? Definitely, I, definitely. Let's do this. Okay, so um, that after that point where they arrive on Earth, of course, we then have the um, harder, faster, better, stronger video and why described in there. And this is the point where, as mentioned, that if you've always seen the music videos, this is where the story ends. And the ending shot is literally of them arriving, having gone through the whole, you know. Dolly, cosmetic surgery kind of thing, whatever you want to call it, and they get approached by the evil Satan guy, and he smiles at them very sinisterly, and then Ooh. that's it. We're done. We're done. Now, I mentioned before that I had a notion of what this plot was about when I was a kid, and I was wrong. And I thought that the whole idea was that he had co-opted them for some reason to go undercover to do something, air quotes. I mean, this is again when oh. I was, what, 13? I, I have no idea why I thought this. It was just when I was a kid, and it's just how I thought it. But after that, um, not a Samu Dyson slash uh, Shep um, arrives, and he goes in what's in a scene that looks an awful lot like the opening scene of Terminator 1 when Kyle Reese arrives, although he's not naked, admittedly. Um, he goes undercover um, to try and free them, and then things proceed from there. But I can't really go any further than that without getting into very significant and very grave spoilers. So that is that. Yeah, uh, it, just to give a, a general idea of, of what it is going forward, it's kind of uh, a sort of allegory about the entertainment industry, and it's oh, yes. sort of put on top of a sci-fi story that really goes places that you don't think it's gonna go yeah uh, and it's all very touching also I've, it's a very human story yeah the, this is what i mentioned before about stressing the lack of dialogue in the 
there are there are times when, of course, people have you know, where a lot of, in a lot of fiction, talking is of course the main which we convey feelings and emotions and such. But there's a thing in there's a thing in film, um, and I don't know if there's an equivalent with music, but there's something called I can't remember what it's called. It was mentioned on a Red Lesser Media episode where they would have um, a actor who had a completely blank, blank expression, right? And the audience were asked to say, what do you think his expression is? But what they would do is, before asking that question, they would proceed the actor's face oh. with a shot with a shot of something. Like, say, a shot of... Mm. In this case, it was a bowl of fruit. Or then, say, a dead body. <laughs> now, same face, but the audience, because of the context given to them, assumes different things. And because so much of this is driven by Daft Punk's music, that... It, it gives you a very different feel as to how events play out rather than just, like, it substitutes for the dialogue in some instances, I would say. Certainly. Yeah. Um, particularly... It definitely sets up the mood. Oh, yeah. Especially later on. Oh, yeah. The, the, there's a scene in the middle, um, which is, again, no dialogue, no sound effects, just music. That was... That was heavy, but that was set to Daft Punk's music, which is typically, as you might know... Every single time I've watched that, I've choked up. Every time. Yeah. Like, with Daft Punk's music, it's not... Daft Punk have never been a maudlin, like, you know, grim-sounding kind of band. Ne- never. They're always, like, you know, upbeat funk. But here, their music is applied to this particular scene, which we will, of course, go into detail about when it comes around. And it's respectful to the, the tone of the scene, and it honours what's happened, but it's also then, of course, leading into the optimism of going forward and pressing on even despite the event that's just happened. And I think that to go from... Because it has to be said, again, this album that they created, Discovery, was not ever created to tell this story. It's not manufactured for the purpose of then leading into itself. Well, it was, well, well, listening to it on its own, you wouldn't imagine that it would be used in this sort of story. I just think, like, the concurrent, like, while they were creating it, you know, yeah. the fact that, that they didn't write this after the fact, right? That they... Yeah. As they were making the music, they wrote the story. Ah, right. So this was like, what, yeah, this is while they were producing the album. Yeah, yeah. So ah, they're making right, the music and making the story to go with it, with the express idea of going with the music. So yeah, so I do think I, I think that they are linked. Uh, yeah. in, in a way, in a stickier way than you than you might suppose. I, I I see what you mean absolutely. But beyond that, without getting into specifics, the story has a lot of things that happen in it. It has, as Doc says, offers a treatise on um, the music industry um, and how it operates, particularly things to do with merchandising, image, um, fandom, I would say, um, yeah. the corruption of upper management um, and their, you know, and they're you know ruining or rather interfering executive meddling in the in the lives of creative talents which again is a macros thing which is why i thought i'm seeing shades hey, here you're right yeah because again i didn't like, even think about that parallel I mean, but that's i correct. mean i mean let's put it this way if there was if there was a board meeting between grace and um you know whatever his bloody name is the, the, the white-haired guy <laughs> don't, i don't they, know it, yeah don't, well, I, don't. I don't want to spoil his name yet because i do know it but i don't want to spoil it um but if there was ever a Giuseppe you know, Helmut. Oh fuck me! <laughs> Sorry. Oh, and you complained before about me bringing it up, and now you're. Oh, it's regurgitation. We're regurgitating. You know, it's cough. something. The seal has been broken. It's yeah. been unleashed within me. Okay, but like again, like similar sort of thing. And then there's even like, in my view, subtler things like race, 
race, I would even say, comes into it slightly. Oh but yes, I want to talk about that. That uh, will like that will come personal personal identity. Oh, yes. definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, the notion of memory and also like the idea of even of the soul as well. I would argue, and also it is know, a spiritual story in some ways, for sure. Yeah. The, oh, definitely. There's there's spirituality in it, and on top of that, the idea about how talent and memory and personality are different things, and how even if mm. a person's personality um you know degrades for whatever reason that their talent is still there i mean that is a very common thing unfortunately to see in the music industry i mean i can name a couple of artists off the top of my head who have had destructive lives but their talent remained as it was um my housemate um who i mentioned before she's a very very big fan of pete doherty who was the lead singer oh yeah yeah, yeah. who was or is the lead singer of the libertines and if you don't know anything about pete doherty He's he's a fantastic lyricist, but he's had a very very destructive um, history with drugs and alcohol, um, particularly to the point where it ended up actually meaning that the Libertines fired him. He was the lead singer of the band, and they said, "We've had enough. Get out on your way." He then formed a new band called Baby Shambles, and I believe that he's patched things up with the Libertines oh, since. Oh right, yeah. But then I can name other artists who have not had, unfortunately, you know, uh, such a return to form Amy Winehouse is one that comes to mind she yeah she unfortunately again a fantastic creative talent you can't deny but she just she's self-destructive but the thing is like the reason I bring this up in relation to Stella is because that does not happen to any of the um of the Crescendals they don't like you know undergo that I mean I don't think I could have cope watching that I think that would have possibly just put me off the whole thing inside but no um the reason I bring that up is because there is element there's hints of the of Daft Punk's notion I think that talent even after personality and memory are stripped away, is a, a, a skill, a, a, an inherent part of your soul. Um, something that can't be removed despite outside interference, I would say. So that's something that facts into it as well. I mean, for, for, for a show that is just, or for a film that is just an hour long, there is a lot of meat to this, which could... There, there is a ton there. Uh, and I'm glad we uh, have gone to this place now because... I actually didn't know when I was going to get to bring it up, but um, for the people that have uh, that really like this movie, even uh, that have reviewed it um, at at Anime News Network, um, which is a site I love, I, I really enjoy the writers there and the writer in particular, or the two writers in particular that have made the accusation I'm about to recount, like had gone out of their way to talk about you know how much they love Interstellar, but also talk about um the fact that it's not uh deep like there's a a phrase like that is used in the old review called about as uh, no deeper than a dixie cup Um, oh boy here's the thing here's the thing with this you have you have uh an entire movie with no dialogue you need to be able to you need to sort of have your elements be overt visually Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Yeah, and and I think like there's so I think there's a difference right between yeah, and also yeah, this is this is not meant to be taken like literally. This is not a story that's meant to be like seen as oh, this is a story about some people that got abducted and then saved because this is the only way it could have worked without like any dialogue. It's not uh-huh. a literal story, and it's a story that with like meaning that is overt. Yeah. So it works for what it is. Yeah. comparing yeah, I, it to something often... that's like deep. I know. I mean, I think oftentimes, and I, I 
actually have my suspicions that this lies in video game reviews like people will will see and read that a story or a work is not deep and they will like equate that to meaning that it is simplistic and doesn't really have anything to say yeah and and i think that that is a false sort of equivalence like i think while that there's not there's not any sort of things that you necessarily have to struggle a lot to tease out i think interstellar has a whole lot to say yeah i mean i'll offer some responses on that the first thing is that i think that what they what people often think of when they think of deep narrative is character depth and i'll be blunt the characters in interstellar like again because there is no dialogue I don't know the backstory of any of, of any of them, with the exception of the villain, and even then his backstory is something I could fit on a post-it note. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not, <laughs> it's not a show about character depth. I mean, uh, easiest comparison I as someone who, for, for those of us on the podcast, who listen to podcasts regularly, and for me to make, is to compare it to the films of Macross Frontier. Because again, bands, artists, corrupting management, that kind of thing. Macross F, the films and the show, were character-driven. But they weren't really about deep like themes or notions or concepts, I would say. I mean, like I said, the reasons I loved that show were because of the character growth of the free of the free main cast and also the other supporting cast. Correct. But Interstellar is the opposite thing, where it's not about character growth. We su- we do see people caring about characters in this. I mean, again, the middle, the yeah, that bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But then the things I've rattled off before, I think the depth that Interstellar has, I think that they may have misunderstood because they were looking for it in a more conventional sense. And, and they like the show. This is oh, not yeah. like those people, you know, the people I'm referring to give the show extremely high marks. Yeah. Uh, but just that, I think that remark can be taken out of context and people can, I don't know, get the wrong idea about the show because like like you say, it's not, they don't, and this is not atypical of Matsumoto's other work, you know, they don't spend a lot of time developing these characters, but but the story itself has a lot of meaning. And I think you can you can mine some stuff out of it that's not necessarily readily apparent. But there oh, yeah. also is a ton of stuff that is, as Vorgelia mentioned, like uh visually communicated, uh very cleanly, very openly. Definitely. It's uh, important to the story. I agree. And the other thing I'll mention as well is that the ending, and I mean the absolute ending of Interstellar, like if you can't <laughs> if you can't read a depth from what that implies, I don't know what you were doing watching this. I'm sorry, but holy, like when when it when the ending happened after we finally leave the Grisendals and go into the closing minute and a half of this film, I was like, this it was almost 2001 Space Odyssey Star Child moment for me. <laughs> That's what it felt like. It felt like mm. prof- it felt profound. Yeah, and yeah, and when I get to that point, oh boy, um, I think that there's and and even that I feel like is a little ambiguous. There's some different ways you could read that. In my opinion, oh yeah, I could, oh I yeah, could be crazy. The ending with with Scythe Master. No, <laughs> why? Why? I mean, after Scythe Master, Scythe Master is in, and they're they're on the spaceship and Scythe Master. Uh, is, is it that bit? That, that when he starts to oil them down, you mean? No, no, no. <laughs> oh my god. I really like, want hmm, You're usually <laughs> older than the people I've oiled down in the past, but fuck it, who cares? 
<laughs> it's lotion, man. It's, it's not oil, it's just lotion. <laughs> Shadon left. <laughs> <laughs> man, what what am I doing? What so interstellar five five five. It's very good. Uh I, I needed a moment. Very, very colorful. I needed a moment. <laughs> it is very colorful. Yeah, I uh, left the room. Like I was surprised by the amount of color in general. There's a lot of like, I, I don't know what to call it. I want to call it overt '80s colors because mm. I've seen these colors in like dream sequences or transformation sequences. Yes, in a lot yeah, of definitely. like '90s anime. Yeah, starburst colors. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of like uh, bright pink, bright. Yeah, bright like psychedelic yellow, yellow and green, sort of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a dream I, sequence. I was blown away by the by how hyperspace looked. Oh yeah, like that. It looked so cool. I was like, man, it's been a while since I've actually been like taking notice of how hyperspace looked because yeah, you know, folding or warping or jumping like is so sort of common in sci-fi stories. And yeah, wasn't he? Wasn't it like it was like a tube? Where he just had to avoid stars or something? They go into what looks like a kind of foggy mirror, like a sort of spinning diamond. Yeah. And when they're in there, it's just so colorful. They're just going through yeah. like oh, a tie-dyed shirt oh, of yeah. color. Oh, yeah. Again, yes. like, I, okay. like I mentioned, 2001, the, the Stargate. In that, the, mm. the Stargate mm. sequence in that. Um, yeah. I mean, this, this show is the very opposite of Gritty. Like, this is all it's vibrant... Even yes. it's, even even in so its warm, it's so yeah, warm show. Even in its grimmer moments, it still doesn't lose that warmth um, and that depth of color. Um, so that alone made it an absolute joy. I mean, the the thing is, I don't feel this. I feel this needs to be stressed, but as well, if you actually, this might be jumping ahead a little bit, but if you want to know if we would recommend this or not, you can always test yes. this yourself by actually going and looking up the videos on YouTube. Because they are available legitimately in high definition on Daft Punk's YouTube channel. Um, so if you want to know, you know, would I like this or not, there's your litmus test. Go watch at least the first two of them. It's seven, six minutes of your time. Such a low investment for such a high return emotionally. Couldn't have put it better myself. All right. I am anxious to get to spoiling. So let's yeah. break, come back, and we will talk uh, more in depth. podcast is made in association with wave motion can you can contact us on twitter at watery desho or email us watery desho at gmail.com if you like the show please rate and review us on itunes like subscribe follow and share Bye-bye.